everybody. It's time for a bit of Talking Bollocks with me, your host, Howard H. Smith. Yes, it is I. I am back for another dose of bollocks in your ears. Um, I, who am Howard H. Smith, who I am, am, who am. I always I seem to mess this intro up all the time now. Um, so, I am lead singer in UK thrash band Acid Rain. First album in 29 years came out last year, September 29th. The Age of Entitlement. Go listen, go buy, go stream, go do whatever. I also do stand-up comedy as the character Keith Platt. I also uh, MC comedy shows and do all sorts of other bits and pieces. You can find me, you can find Keith, you can find this podcast, you can find Acid Rain, all on various social media platforms. So why don't go and have a look-see? Um, you can also support this show, get extra exclusive content, partake, ask some of your heavy metal heroes your questions you've always wanted to ask by becoming a patron. That's right, patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. For just $5 a month, $6 including tax, you get yourself a shed, nearly said shit, shed load of, shitload, fuck it, of, um, uh, of exclusive content, as much as I hate that word, it's the perfect word to describe everything, um, all sorts, videos, or, I mean, and, and you sign up for the podcast, you get all Acid Rain stuff as well, loads of behind the, behind the scenes shit, you get to hear all sorts of stuff before anyone else, sometimes you get to hear stuff that no one ever hears at all, you also get this podcast early, so, what is there not to like about all that? That is the end of it, that is the, that's all of the, all of the shtick I'm gonna give it, okay, so, Welcome, 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 welcome. And what has been going on in the world of metal in the last month since we spoke? Well, there's a new Lamb of God album on the way. There's a new Lamb of God track on the way. And good old Dave Blythe, sounding slightly better than normal, but still, it's still Lamb of God, isn't it? It's just meh for me. I don't know, don't know what it is, but, you know, look, I'm going over old ground here. It's just meh. But do you know what? I want to concentrate right now on the positive. Fuck me. Um, Quadra by Sepultura is absolutely kicking my ass. I mean, that is definitely going to be in my top five. I'll be surprised if it's not my album of the year. Got to be really, really honest. I will be surprised if it is not my album of the year. I said it twice. I must mean it. Yeah, seriously. Um... If it, this could be the album to win you back over if you haven't liked any of the previous albums uh, since uh, Max left. So that's all I'm going to say, really. Um, but there's definitely a bit of there's definitely a bit of controversy popped up about this. Derek Green did a did a um, an interview and he he referred to people find it hard to move on, and that was kind of like the the. Um, the kind of clickbaity headline. Now, what I thought he meant was that you know a lot of Sepultura fans find it hard to move on, and that's and you know find it have found it hard to move on and get um, uh, kind of on board with Derek being in the band now. Um, but it was uh, it was taken by um, uh, by Gloria, um, who would be um, Sepultura's manager and uh, Max's. Um, wife rather rather badly um i think she felt that it was directly aimed at the original sepultura camp um and so i made a note of this just to say yeah do you know what i totally agree with 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 derek you know people do harp on about it all the time and and just think he's been in that band over 20 years he's been in it longer than max ever was and and yet he's, you know, he's still fighting that that closed-minded attitude. And and uh, you know, I, I I just thought, yeah, that's a really good point. But apparently, um, Gloria took it slightly uh, 
slightly differently. Um, so uh, she came back with, uh, hey, I have a shout out. Fuck you, Max and Igor. Never, ever talk about a reunion. Why do you think they left? Lol. You're not needing to talk about Max and Igor to get some press, are you? Yeah, it's hard to, It's hard for you to move on. Max and Igor can return to their roots. And all, all you can do is sing lyrics my husband wrote. Right, OK. So, um, yeah, it just seemed a bit, <laughs> it seemed a bit odd, really. Um, and I don't know, is it sexist of me to say that it just, I just think it looks a bit lame that, that she weighs in on this and it almost looks like she's kind of defending Max. Whereas I don't think that's the case. I think she's just wound up about it, but it's just, the whole thing is just a bit of a pathetic soap opera that's been running on for so long now. Who gives a shit? Who really gives a shit? Um, and once again, New Sep's album is absolutely kicking ass. Fucking brilliant. So let's move on. I've got... I, I, I don't know why I've brought that up, really. I haven't really got anything to say, have I? I haven't really got anything to offer on that, other than um, it just looks like she's kind of weighing in for Max, um, which which is a bit odd. It seems to genuinely have annoyed her more than anyone else. So I don't know. You know, shit happened. You can probably tell my nose is getting blocked. Hang on a sec. And through the magic that is the pause button, there... I sound a little bit better. Or maybe I don't, but fuck it. Anyway, uh, moving on from the uh, non-controversy of, um, of Derek Green and uh, uh, Gloria Cavallera arguing, um, there's a new Machine Head song as well. A new Machine Head song. Yeah. Um, nothing to really write home about. Um, kind of just... Yeah, not really sure what's happening with that lot at the moment. Um, it, everything just seems to be kind of like you know, oh, there's a new song here, there's a new song here. But by the way, we're also we're also travelling around the world, uh, doing a, a playing an album that's over twenty years old um, with two lineups. It's all it's it's just all a bit fucking weird, really. It's it's it. I don't know. It, it Machine Head now just seems to me just looks it just looks like some sort of keep Rob Flynn sober project. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It seems like, um, I, I don't know, just just this kind of, you know, movable therapy for, um, for, for Rob Flynn. And, um, yeah, just a pretty nothing track again, really. Really just, I got fucking hell, I have not really got much to offer here, have I? Um, but I'll tell you what I have got a lot to offer on. Look, I like Testament. I love Testament. I'm a big Testament fan. My mate Gene plays drums in him. Okay, I've had Chuck Billy and Gene on the show. Probably going to get them on again. But the lyrics to Night of the Witch are absolutely just abhorrent. I mean, it's I mean, I just don't understand why, like, somebody brings lyrics like that into um, into a band. Why someone somewhere doesn't just go let me no mate no that that's not happening just give me a second i'm gonna get the lyrics up i should have obviously already done this but i haven't okay so i'm doing one of those ultimate knobby things now which is like you know reading lyrics out of context um you know any lyrics can sound can can sound a bit shitty then but i mean i i i don't know i just don't know i, I don't really don't know what to say about about this um 
there's just some you know, behold the devil's sign beware the witches beware of witches in the sky who is ready to fly unleash hell all night they cast a spell by the light of the moon now right out the fucking gate by the light of the moon is fucking you should not be able to use that lyric line in a heavy metal song right at all I mean, that is verging on Spinal Tap and fucking bad news. By the light of the moon, fuck off. And, and, I mean, conjuring in the darkness, desecrate their will. The dead of night has taken flight. Assassinate them all. Show them the face of terror. Show them the grace of hell. Black magic of the witch shall never break the spell. Conjuring with power, mystical and formless. What? I mean, if I, I... I just... Surely you walk in the rehearsal room, go, lads. I've got the lyrics. Yeah, sorted that song. Oh, great. What are they? Here we go, lads. Right. Someone is going to. Someone in the band is going to look at me and go, uh, "This is a fucking joke, right, Howard? Is it? Yeah. What are you five? Have you just watched a Hammer horror film when you were ten and decided to uh, write down what you thought of it? I, I mean, it's yeah. I, I look. This is a bit redundant, I admit, but I just, I just think it's a song about. Night of the Witch is literally a song about witches flying around, right? You know, doing evil, etc. Behold the devil's pride. Beware the pride. I mean, it's just not working for me. I guess that's, I guess that's what I'm saying, all right? Um, but I, I, have we, have we, have we not moved on? I'm not entertained. But have we, you know, haven't we, haven't we moved on from lyrics like this? Um, although I have to. Uh, what was the lyric from the last album that cracked me up? There was one that was, um, I was awoken by the howling of a wolf. No, I was awoken by the howling of a dog or perhaps a wolf. Another, another classic. Um, I should shut the fuck up before I get into trouble, but it's probably too late for that. But it's, yeah, I mean, really, it's just, it's not happening. I'll tell you what else is not happening. Just released some new, um, uh, a few more dates and stuff like that. And I, do you know what winds me up more than anything? People posting things like, I might go to this, or, oh, tempted. It's like, well, thanks for letting me know of your complete and total lack of a decision. Thank you for letting me know about your almost enthusiasm. You know, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, hey, yeah, I might go to this. That's what everybody wants to hear, isn't it? Oh, will you marry? Will you marry me, darling? Uh, I might. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, why would you even take the time... To, to, to basically post a comment that says, I'm not going to go to this and I'm not not going to this. I'm actually in a decision. I'm actually in a place at the moment where I'm undecided as to whether I'm going to go or not. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks for all letting us know. What are we all supposed to do? Reply with comments like, oh, well, what would tempt you into it? Oh, no, please come. I mean, what is the fucking point? I mean, I would rather someone posted, I'm not going to go and see this fucking comical shower of shit than the worst fucking UK thrash band ever and UK thrash is a joke. I'd rather somebody fucking posted that and don't you fucking dare, whilst you're listening to this, start piecing that fucking message together, right? Um, But it's just, yeah, absolute fucking, really, let me know your every thought from your every waking moment. Have you ever thought of just not commenting? But this is the, you know... uh, Whatever, social media, granddad here, fucking hell, I sound so fucking old. I actually saw a review of um, our album on YouTube by uh, by somebody, and um, they loved the album, but they said that, and they were, couldn't wait for it to come out, but they were getting pissed off that we kept posting memes. Hang on. 
they were pissed off that we that we kept uh, that we kept posting memes because we're all in, all in our mid forties or, or late forties or early fifties, so it's kind of dumb. It's like, wow, that is awesome. I am officially too old to post a meme, apparently. Even one that was made by somebody specifically for us and was fucking funny. Oh no, apparently, apparently, there's an age cut-off on use of memes. Did you know that? Well, aren't you glad you tuned in to this fucking podcast now, aren't you, eh? Because you're going to learn all sorts. Yes, you're learning that apparently, watch out, witches are a bit nasty and can fly in the sky at night by the light of the moon, I think you'll find. But also, memes have an age limit on. Now, what that age limit is, I don't know. He didn't mention that, unfortunately. But it seemed like late 40s and 50s, with the look on his face that made it sound like he was sick as he was actually saying the ages, that would appear to be out, right? So whether it's in your 40s, I don't know. If you're still in there in your 30s, do you know what I should really do? I should really freak the fucker out, yeah? And open open a fucking... Um, a Snapchat account, an, an, an acid rain Snapchat account, and be the oldest band on Snapchat. That is probably not allowed either, is it? Fucking hell, I'm getting off. I'm getting out my pram about this, aren't I? I, I haven't even got any notes on this. It's just, this is just spleen. This is literally me downloading what's in my head into the microphone. It comes into your ears and you either go, yeah, it's reasonably entertaining, or fuck this dickhead and his fucking opinions. And do you know what? Some of you will be A, some of you will be B, and some of you will be a little bit in the middle. And I, that, that's cool, that's cool, you know. In fact, that's calmed me down a bit. Um, uh, what else? Uh, Rage Against the Machine are touring. Wow, yeah, headlining Reading and Leeds. Uh, well done. I mean, that's got to be weird if you think about it, because basically the average age of people going to Reading and Leeds is the age I was when I was going to see Rage Against the Machine. But a lot of time has passed now. I mean, it, I, I think it'd be like me in my 20s going to Reading or Leeds and like The Who were headlining or something like that. It's fucking weird. It's just, it's, it's, it's fucking odd. But yet again, another sign that these big tentpole bands are not out there. We're not replacing them. Fucking hell. That's depressing, isn't it? Jesus. Yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly fucking Depressing. Right, on that note, I think um, I think it's time to cheer us all up, isn't it? OK, let's get cheered up. What I'm going to do now is going to play an interview that I did this, um, this month with my good old friend, Phil Alexander. Um, you're going to hear a lot of old days talks about in this, so I'm not going to I'm not going to start saying. But needless to say, I, I was going to even give you the story of how we met, but it comes up in the interview. Needless to say, knew Phil way back in the day, um, right from the off, right from the beginning of Acid Rain's career. So it was great. We hadn't spoken for years, and it was really great to catch up. So this is myself and the man Phil Alexander having a chat a couple of weeks ago. Hello there. Hello, mate. How are you? Good lord, it's been a while, hasn't it? It really has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I was American, I would say it's been a minute. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a fucking long time, is what I prefer to say. Yeah, but it has, it really has. Yeah, Everything all right with you, you will? Uh, yeah, yeah, we've just, um, we've just been announced for um, Bloodstock main stage uh, this morning. So, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a busy... Oh, fun times. Yeah, yeah, it's been um, it's it's been a busy time. Um, yeah, so just all over social media, covering everything, and um, but it's it's great, you know. It's new album and all the rest of it. It's um, well, yeah, it's been good fun. 
Well, no, good, good. I mean, it's, it's, it's good to know. I mean, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's like one of those things where you kind of go, to, you know, after a while, you kind of think, well, okay, uh, what, why did you do this in the first place? Oh, you did it because it was fun. Okay. Yes. Yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's those moments where, you know, it's easy to lose sight of that, so... Well, well, yeah, and I think you know, especially when, especially when you're when you're young as well, you just get you just get wrapped up in like you know the whole. I think you get wrapped up in ego, and I've got a very competitive nature, so you're always you know you're always like, oh, well, what are they doing? You know, can we get can we can we get that? And you just you get lost in it all. Yeah, and I think also you know it, it's like at that time when it's the be all and end all. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's very difficult, I think, to to balance yourself because you know everything seems so important, so magnified, so this, so that, so the other, and actually there's just these things where you just go, do you know what? I mean, it's weird because there's loads of people that I know that have, you know obviously have been through roughly similar things where it's like you know, ah, oh, you know, this is this is the thing, this is this, is, you know, got to do this, got to do the other, got to do, and then and then it all goes, you know either goes wrong or, um, you know, they decide to call it a day. And then when they come back to it, it's it's like, uh, it's quite funny. You sort of have these conversations that are roughly the same time again. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Absolutely. Still, so, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you're. Uh, I'm glad you're in uh, in good shape, as it were. Um, so, uh, Melanie dropped me a line a little while ago saying, "Look, you know, you're out on the 21st, maybe hook up and and have a, a drink." But I've got to be honest with you, I'm not sure that I am around on the 21st. I, I did so I'd let her know, so oh, I'll reply right. to her. Maybe fix. Maybe fix another date. But um, yeah, man, know, it, well, uh, it'd be um, it'd be uh, it'd be great to um, to catch up because um, I still yeah. have. Um, I, funnily enough, do you, do you remember the first time we met? The very first time. Where the fuck was that? I've got to be honest with you, H man. It's like my my mind is like right. fucking. You know, there are things <laughs> I've forgotten that happened generally, um, which right. is not. I don't think I'm completely senile yet, but literally there'll be things that people will be talking about, and and I'll go, oh yeah, I was there, wasn't I? And they'll go, yeah, that's why we're fucking mentioning it. And I'm like, <laughs> just you know, I found an old box of interview tapes the other day, and. Um, it was bloody funny because I was literally going, "When did that happen? I don't remember doing that. I don't remember interviewing them." And it's like, and, and of course, there it is in black and white with the dates and the venues, you know, written on the yeah. actual cassettes. And I'm like, you know, if you'd said to me, "Did you interview? I don't know, DRI?" I would have said, "No, I don't know if I did actually." But yeah, I did actually at the fucking Clarendon, and uh, <laughs> the date, is, the date is such and such a date because uh, there's the photographic evidence. Um, so. Yeah, but where were we then? All right. Well, um, uh, you know, I'll try and I'll try and forgive you for for forgetting the momentous occasion in your life when you first <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you first met me. Um, but um, it was we were hanging around. We were supporting Flotsam and Jetsam at the Astoria. I think it was either Flotsam's or Death Angel. Uh- right, 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 right. Rings a bell, actually. We were hanging around outside the Astoria. Because, uh, you know, being super enthusiastic, we got there well early. And, uh, yeah, and you, yeah. you, you, you were kicking around and you came over and you said, all right, guys, um, you know, do you, do you know when the doors open or anything like that? And we were like, oh, yeah, blah, blah. And, and we said, you know, and, and you were like, oh, you know, you, you came to get in or whatever. And we was like, oh, well, we're, we're the support band Acid Rain. And you were like, oh, right, OK, cool. And, and, we, and we literally had nothing to do. So you, you joined our party and we all wandered up Oxford Street and, ran, and, and had a, a wander around the huge HMV that was there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, 
but but also it's quite funny as well because there was a, there was a bizarre set of circumstances where I did meet various people kind of unwittingly at various points. So I was down at the University of Bristol and um, I had an MSN sweatshirt and I was in a boozer having a drink with some mates of mine and um, these two guys come over and go, oh, where do you get your sweatshirt from? And I went, oh, yeah, got it from the label, don't want that kind of thing, you know. And I wasn't being a dickhead, but they were like, oh, right, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, as it turns out, um, oh, we've just signed to the label. I'm like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was uh, Jim Hinder and Steve Grice from Onslaught. <laughs> I was like, oh, right, okay, nice one. <laughs> so, yeah, quite amusing. Yeah, it's, I, I, I mean, he was, he was such a top man, he really was. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know anyone that, that's kind of have, had a bad word to say about him. Well, no, not at all. You know, and, and I think that's the thing that he, he, he sort of, you know, he's whole... Um, I, 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 there was just this... I mean, the thing about it is, for me, I, I was quite a bit more as well, because so, so when I... The way it happened with me in terms of starting to write, I had... Um, I went on holiday to to the marquee club to see some a band from South London called Or O R E, and they were supported by an Irish band called Mama's Boys, and their drummer was the same age as me. And Mama's Boys basically blew Or off stage, and you know they were just hanging around in the bar afterwards, and we had a drink, and their drummer turned out to be the same. Yeah, so we came away, blah 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 blah. I went on holiday, bought this magazine, Half Fair, and and opened it up, and there was like a six-page Mullins Boys piece in there. And basically, I, I wrote to the editor going, can I subscribe to your mail? London, this is what's happening. He didn't know I was a 16-year-old kid, so he just wrote back going, I need a guy in London. Can you become our, our, our correspondent over there and, you know, tell us what's going on and maybe get some interviews done? So I was like, yeah, of course I can. And um, I, I, I had a bunch of records, obviously, where I just literally copied the address off the back of them yeah. and wrote to the label. That's, that's, how we, was, that's how we got a record deal, mate. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, one of which was, I think it was possibly the first record that Music for Nations put out, but it was that Virgin Steel album, which, you it know, was. to be fair... It was, that's, MF, that's MFN01. Right, right. I mean, to be fair, I wasn't mad about that record, if I'm really honest with you, but, you know, it came out at the time, and it was like, you know, I, I think Crane probably said, oh, fucking, oh, you know, it's great, or whatever. And, um, and so I wrote to, to Music for Nations, and they were the first label to write. And, and I, actually, I wrote to them, having traced the um, masthead off the um, uh, front page of Arthur, off the cover of Arthur, and shrunk it down on my dad's photocopier at work, and wrote in this letter saying, I am now the UK correspondent for this, uh, for this uh, French magazine. Uh, they print X amount of copies. They're really huge. Please send me some records and tell me what acts you've got that I can interview <laughs> And 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 NFN were the first label to write back. I'm, I can't quite remember who the secretary was at the time. I don't know if it was Janice. I don't quite remember whether it was Janice. I think it might be. Um, but I got a note back saying, absolutely, we'll stick you on the mailing list. And the first person I actually ever interviewed was Wendy O. Williams on the back of that album that NFN had put out. But obviously at that time, I was also you know well aware of what NFN were doing because, um, you know, what... They'd already start putting out, you know, they already put out the Metallica record, you know, Kill More and already come out on anything. Yeah. And um, they were kind of well on their way, really, at that point. And I'd been, I went to visit 
Martin and, and Jem in uh, Pride Street. Obviously, you know, initially that was where I went, that little office near Paddington, um, which really was tiny, actually. And then they moved to this office um, on Carnaby Street, which was... Yeah. Um, uh, that was kind of dying, oddly, actually opposite the office where the Clang office ended up being for a period of time. Um, and uh, it was quite funny, actually, because that's where I first met Mark Palmer. Uh, and I walked into the office and saw this guy who's roughly my age, um, sitting by this, well, behind this mound of cassettes, you know, just demos. <laughs> um, and uh, we were talking about this actually when, 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 when Melanie told me about Martin passing away, actually, I, 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 uh, I did a, a immediately ring Mark actually to, to let him know because I wasn't sure if he did know. And, uh, and it was very funny. I just remember, I just, I remember very distinctly in terms of, uh, his demeanour at the time as well, and, and he reminded me of the fantastic thing that his official job title was Oik. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, there you go. But yeah, so it was, it, it, that's why it was so special to me that you know the, the way MFN was, and and also you know Martin in particular and Jim as well. To be fair, well, um, I, I mean, I, look, yeah. I mean, I've I've stayed in touch with them ever since, and I always I always. Um... Being being from a band back in back in those times, everybody's always everybody's always keen to know, you know, oh, and what about the record label? You know, in, in you know, how many ways did they screw you over? And it's like, well, do you know what? Not at all. You know, we got we got yeah. we got all our masters back after ten years. I mean, no one yeah, does yeah, that. Yeah. No one does that. You know. Yeah, yeah. But they, yeah, were, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, they were, they were just into it. And I remember we, we, when we, um, when our career was over, and they, you know, they didn't like the new stuff we were doing, and we didn't, you know, we didn't really want to continue. And then I, I rang up and said, "Look, I've got about forty-five minutes worth of odds and sods here that have never been released. What do you think's putting out, like, you know, a final album?" And Jem said, um, "Leave it with me. I'll call you back this afternoon." So he rang me up, yeah. and he goes, uh, "He goes right. Martin and I have had a chat." And we'll do it, but on one condition. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, you have to call it the worst of acid rain. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I was like, that's a great title. Boom, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? yeah well, it's, it's also a very typical gem-like moment. But actually typical of the pair of them, really. That's the thing. Um, and and, and it, is, it is a weird thing as well, because, you know, the, the, the whole situation with them is that, you're right, no one ever really says a bad word. And, and I think there is a reason for that. I don't think that anybody, you know, let's, let's be honest. They, they, they knew what they were doing, but they didn't shaft anybody really. Yeah. I think that, that, that is a really, a really, really big difference in terms of, um, you know, how they could have done that. They could have easily done that. And as you say, you know, the idea of you getting your masters back after 10 years, I mean, you know, they could have had them now. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. somebody could have been doing whatever the fuck they wanted to them. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. And and um, I always I always remember um, I always remember going in to see. Um, I don't know. I didn't go in. So I, I rang. I rang up, and um, uh, Mimi put through put me through to Martin, and he said, "Oh, he goes, H, it's really it's really good to talk to you." And I said, "Oh, uh, that's 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 nice." And he goes, "Well, it's just that um, I've just had to sign Frank Zappa's royalty checks." And then right after it, and then right afterwards, I signed yours. So it made me feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, having said that, him and he was so cock a hoop about about. I mean, that's the thing as well about you know doing the Zappa catalogue. I mean, he yeah. was really cock a hoop about that. And actually, 
Um, that was a rare moment, really, where I was intimidated, actually. We went to interview Frank at the Dorchester uh, for uh, Raw Power, the TV program that I was doing at the time, obviously. And, and yeah. it was weird because I knew that we weren't going to, you know, we had, uh, I think Liz Fairweather had managed to, to put um, 40 minutes aside. And I was like, we're not going to need 40 minutes, Liz. Like, literally, it's going to be like, you know, a two-minute piece. But she's, she's like, yeah, but don't worry about it. Just, just I know you love Zappa. So just do an interview. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's going to be the one chance you get to do an interview. And I'm like, absolutely, you know. But I remember talking to Martin um, around that time, and he was really cock about kind of, you know, having Frank on the books and what have you, and actually kind of, you know, quite in awe of the man. And... and and so was I, actually, to be really blunt with you. And it was, it's the first time I've turned up at an interview thinking, I mean, I was never, as you know, particularly well prepared in those days. <laughs> but, but, well, I really wasn't, you know. I mean, I, and, and, and even, in fact, that there were even, I, I didn't prepare anything for, for TV interviews. I really didn't prepare, I definitely didn't prepare anything for print interviews. It was just like, okay, let's just chat and see what happens. Whereas, yeah. you know, in later life, I've become much more structured and, and, um, you know, when I was at, I mean, I edited Mojo for 15 years and suddenly you realise what you need to be is completely super prepared before you've even commissioned the fucking piece, actually. But anyway, the, 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 coming back to the same thing, the, the one thing that I was really petrified of, I was really worried about what the first question is. You know, what am I going to ask? What's the first fucking thing you ask Frank Zappa? Yeah. And actually, in, in the end, the weirdest thing happened because I, I, I was talking to this sound man and, and this sound man was going... He's a Canadian dude. I ran into him in the street the other day, actually. He's like, man, you know, the thing about Frank, he's so prolific. I mean, how many records do you think he's actually made? And um, I went, do you know what? I don't actually know because some people say he's made 50 and then there's this discrepancy because he's been putting out these things called beating the bootleggers. And when he said, the first question was, he sat down. There is another story before that, actually, but we'll just get to this bit. He sat down and I said, Frank, just to be honest with you, quick question. How many albums have you actually made? And he literally kind of looked at me and he went, do you know what? I really don't know the answer to that. You're going to have to give me five minutes to think about it. And um, I'm going to have to kind of get back. And it was absolutely brilliant because what it kind of proved was that he was not the inscrutable Frank Zappa. Yeah. You know, the first question was hard for him to answer. And then I was in and off, yes. and off we went. And we had a fucking brilliant conversation that went from... You know, loads of stuff through to, I think, probably obviously to the Raw Power audience. He was like, tell us about Steve Fire then. You know, really having him, you know, and like getting him to transcribe all the shit you can't play anymore. Tell us about that. But he went all the way through that and it ended with him basically saying he wanted to uh, run for president. And uh, I thought he was joking and, uh, and he really wasn't. Um, but, you know, obviously he didn't live too long after that, to be honest with you, which was rather sad. But the actual day started brilliantly because... We, we arrived at the Dorchester. Um, we were hidden behind the screen so we couldn't be seen by, uh, you know, the well-heeled guests of the hotel because uh, I was wearing a leather jacket and had long hair and all the rest of it. And um, they said, oh, you know, who are you here to interview? And I said, oh, Frank Zappa. And they went, is he one of those rock things? And uh, which suited it perfectly, Frank Zappa, the rock thing, you know. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. But we went into the, the suite to speak to him and Gail was there and Liz showed us in and what have you. And Frank was desperate for a pizza. And his tour manager turns around and he goes, he goes, ah, that lighting thing that you've got, we have this big circular um, reflector called a lazulite. 
Yeah. And, and it's that, that lighting thing. The case is perfect. I went, the case is perfect for what? It's perfect for me to smuggle a pizza into the room. And I'm like, can't you just call one? And then, you know, they, they bring it around. He goes, no, no, we're not allowed to do that. It's the Dorchester. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was quite a, quite a thing. So basically, Zappa used uh, a, a piece of kit that we brought to smuggle in the... Um, the pizza that you needed, and then we didn't insist. But anyway, so I digress. You, prov- you provided you provided uh, pizza camouflage. Exactly. Yeah. Top 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 pizza camouflage for, for Zappa. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and so you, um, where did you go from from Enfa? What was the first? Because you because I, I remember you were only there for a, a short time, or after we met you, it was a short time, and then you were well, well, you yeah. popped up all over the place. Well, no, so, so, so basically what happened on Offia was this, is that, that it, 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 I had, I had um, yeah, joined really like young, and then actually it kind of folded because it turned out that the guy who ran it um, had been laundering loads of money. And just as this was happening, I had started working for another French bank, but just as this was happening, um, that's when I got a phone call from uh, a woman by the name of Maggie Fallon. PR at the time, who you may remember, um, mm. and she said to me, "Yes, so these guys have left Kerrang and Millhammer, and they're putting together a new magazine, and um, they they do need a guy who knows about kind of trash metal and the more underground oriented stuff that's going on." Yeah. And at the time, there were two different kind of strands of, of uh, you know, obviously there was the thrash thing going on, but you know the noise scene was quite. Virulent hardcore scene was also pre-through, and, and um, you know, I was down in Bristol at university, and there and Bino, who you might remember, ran a fanzine called um, Skate Movies from the Fifth Dimension. Fuck uh, they were down. Wow, yeah, that's a name I haven't heard yeah. for God knows how long. Yeah, so they, so they, so they were, they were down there, and they were putting on loads of live shows, and then, um, you know, Shane was uh, ran Manic Ears out of Bristol. Um, obviously, I got to know. Hammy, who was running Peaceville, um, and 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 so and, and obviously Digby had started Earache, so there was there was a lot of there was just a convergence of people and loads of great shows, and so I ended up literally going to see Malcolm and Dante and Mark Putford at Raw, um, and saying that these are the things I like. Are you remotely interested in this? And if you're not, then don't worry about it, because you know I wasn't. I hated hair metal, and and yeah. I still do. So they were like, oh, no, no, exactly, spot on. That's what we need. We need someone who knows about this shit. And, and that's, that's how I started. So I was a staff writer on Raw before we launched. And then I went from being staff writer to reviews to features to editor. And then I went from there to become editor of Crane. That's, and then after... That, yeah, I, that, that jump there, when, when, you yeah. went, when you went to editor of Kerrang, was that like... Yeah. Was that a sort of, wow, this is a dream come true moment? It was a very strange time for me because um, I, I literally, um, on Raw, we were very proud of the fact that we were kind of, like, literally there was a sort of a sense that we were going to be playing at their own game and that we were going to, you know, uh, uh, by the time um, that I'd really got involved in Raw in, in a major way as well, music had started to change again. So we were quite early in adopting, you know, even though there was still all this hair metal stuff going on, we were quite early adopting a more alternative approach to things, you know, because Raw was not a dyed-in-the-wall heavy metal mag to a degree, you know, yeah. we had done a load of stuff involving, you know, we were pretty early with a lot of the grunge guys, you know, um, when, you know, 
Soundgarden first came over, Nirvana first came over, Mudhoney, all of the guys, you know, Tad, we'd done them all. Um, and, and so we were kind of in that mindset that we were pretty much, you know, we, we had a lot going for us. And when I became the editor of Raw, I was absolutely convinced that we would end up kind of basically battering Kerrang, but that we had a broader base of music that we could cover and it was going to be really great because at that point, Kerrang was still very much, even though it adopted a load of the grunge stuff, it was finding it quite hard to deal with. Yeah. You know, it was still busy going, there's a new Whitesnake album, get in, or, you know, not Leah back, you know, and I was like, <laughs> it's fucking so irrelevant, fuck that. Um, so it was a weird one. When, when, when I was... Um, I was asked to apply for the job of editor on Crane. And I actually went home unsure as to whether I should do that or not, because even though I'd read, you know, I bought the very first issue of Crane, and I'd read it probably up till about issue 56 or something like that, um, I, I was really unsure as to whether it was the right thing to do. So I went home and did a list of pros and cons, and I just realized it was a job I couldn't turn down. But my conversation with the powers that be at the time were, was, was, was really simple, which was, will you let me do this as I see fit? Will you let me run this magazine as I see fit, musically and in terms of where we are, as a, you know, in terms of team and in terms of everything? Because that's how I'd like it to be. And if the answer is no, then 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 tell me. Yeah. And obviously, Jeff, Bar Jeff Barton was still part of the Clang family at the time, and he had, you know, he'd been absolutely responsible for launching the magazine as well and I idolised Jeff from his writing in sounds you know um, I never really had journalistic heroes that's never how I was I was never somebody who sat there going Jesus Nick Kent is an amazing writer and you know and 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 and, and it wasn't I was never like that all my heroes were musicians you know but yeah. Jeff Barton was a man whose stuff I'd read in sounds and who I respected and, and admired so deeply and he changed the language of, um, of music journalism to me in the sense that he made it very clear that you could be a fan of this music and write about it. And, and I think that was the very, very, that was, that was the founding stone really of Kerrang, the idea of by fans, for fans, for want of a better term, which, you know, now people think that's obvious, but actually in those days it wasn't obvious. So when I arrived basically to do the Kerrang job, I really kind of wanted to, to restore the idea of that kind of sense of positivity and fandom, but I also wanted to work with, you know, the industry, so to speak, to, to try and develop acts so we could be really, instead of having this attitude of, come on then, impress me, which is what a lot of, you know, weekly publications had, you know, the NME and Melody Maker, what I wanted was a sense that we were kind of, we were on the side of the artists, and because that's what I felt Kerrang! always had represented, I just felt some of the time it slightly got lost. And there was, a, as I said, you know, post-grunge, there was a different way of looking at what music was. And, and, and there was a wide-open arena of music that was fucking present itself in the next few years that I could kind of see. So for me, it was really, really interesting because I, I was like, you know, obviously the answer that came back from, from, from Jeff and, and from Jason was like, look, yes, we want you to do it as you see it. And, 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 and you know, to, 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 if it means changing some of the stuff that's in there, then change it. And, and it just meant that what we could do is we could, you know, be a bit more forward-looking and that we could work with labels and artists and management companies to develop things in the right way. Do, and, um, do, do, when you say and to that, develop things in the right way, do you think, do you think, because listening to all of that, to me, it sounds like, and, and you know, I, 
I, I don't want to make a glib soundbite out of everything that you've just said, but to me, it sounds like uh, you had a lot of traditional metal journalists um, at Kerrang. They could see the way things were going. They could see they were still stuck in a bit stuck in the past, and they wanted you to come in and and literally do what you wanted, which was run it the way you wanted, because they realised that they needed modernising and they didn't know how to do it. It's a difficult one to say that, but I think I think it's this: it's that it seemed obvious to me that we could no longer go. All right, do you know what? Here's the hottest AOR record of the moment. I mean, obviously for me, nat- naturally. Yeah. Well, this is the issue for me. Yeah. For me, it was it was a, it was the type of music that I didn't like anyway. Yeah. So it wasn't really much of a oh, you know, what am I going to do? Like betray some kind of unspoken creed? But to certain people, it must have seemed that way. To me, it was like okay, that stuff. I never liked it. I don't think it has the relevance it once had, and I don't know that the audience is still there. You know, some of them are maybe going to Rock City on a, on a Saturday night intermittently, but, you know, it isn't where the audience is, and it certainly isn't where a new emerging audience is. And I think that's the thing that was really exciting about, you know, I started at Twang in 93, I think it was the summer of 93. It was still super exciting at that time because you did still have like massive, massive rock bands that were gateway bands. You know, Guns N' Roses were, were, had been almost dehumanised. They were so big. You know, the Metallica were absolutely huge. But also, Nirvana were massive. You know, all those grunge guys were massive. And, and these were ways in for people into, into music. But music that sort of had a credibility and a heart. And then, and then you could see that would expand. But what I mean about doing things in the right way and trying to develop things and what have you is really to, to, to work closer with labels and with um, people within the industry. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, one will involve Martin, but the other one will involve how we used to work with the Monsters of Rock Festival. We used to sit there and go, oh, it's um, February Let's speculate as to who might be headlining Donington this year. <laughs> We'd literally, Malcolm and I would go, who do you think it might be? I might be ACDC. Let's put that in. We'll put that in, right? And, and then we'd get these phone calls from Morris Jones's people um, going, how dare you say ACDC headlining Donington? We're not, we're not even in discussions with ACDC, you know, blah, 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 blah. So in the end, what I ended up doing is sitting down with the MCP people and going, um, uh, and, and, PC, uh, and, and, and basically going, okay, I tell you what, why don't we have a conversation as to who could be on at Donington this year, and why don't we work with you to basically try and make that festival better? And that's how the Kerrang signing ten came about, and that's I think we did we did a Kerrang stage voted for by the readers. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. You know, originally it was as, as you know one day festival, then it expanded, and the ideas, you know, the idea uh, at one point, you know, when Stuart. Galbraith was renaming it from, from Monsters of Rock and changing it to Download. I think he actually turned around and said, do you think Krang would want a, you know, an interest in this and come in as kind of joint partners? Now, at the time, the company that I worked for, you know, we weren't in the business of being concert promoters. Um, yeah. And, and it, it, it's an odd one, really, because you know, we had a very close relationship, and, and we still do have a very close relationship with, with Download as it is now, and obviously Coppo being there. It's, you know, it's a relationship that him and I have had for a million years now. But I think that, that, that was, that's what I mean about changing how we work. Let's work with people and develop things for the greater good. So I think there was one year when Metallica announced that they were going to do download. They kind of announced it at the Kerrang Awards. I think we, we took some spurious live phone call from Lars 
Um, and he was like, yeah, you know, we're doing this, you know, and blah, blah, blah. So we kind of announced it at the awards. But coming back to Martin, the way in which we would work with labels, for instance, Martin was a really good, a good example of that. We would sit down with Martin and Jen um, in a restaurant around the corner from the crane office, just off Carnaby Street, a yeah. restaurant called the Andrea, the Andrea Doria on Beak Street. Yeah. And, and um, sit in there, start about, Quarter, quarter one, maybe leave, uh, you know, uh, about five, completely, you know, whammoed. Yeah. Uh, or in some cases, I think there's one case in particular, I think we might have gone straight into dinner because we'd kind of, you know, we had lunch and we just carried on and then ordered another, another something to eat, you know, at seven because we were still carrying on upstairs, to be honest with you. Um, but the way in which we would work with him, for instance, is to literally go, okay, well, what is there that we can do with, with the roster of acts that you have? Now, obviously, not every single act that MSN had, we loved. But there were acts that we really did like. And, you know, I remember in particular talking about, you know, the importance of Paradise Lost um, at a point, I think, when they, they were about to release Draconian Times, I think it was. I remember us going, okay, look, we really need to plan how we can work with them and develop them and, 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 and really get to a point where everyone thinks they're significant, you know. And um, so I think we came up with something terrible in the end. I think, you know, Paradise Lost, the new Metallica or whatever. But it was like, you know, we got Ross to shoot Ross out and to shoot them, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was it was about creating the idea that the, the Paradise Lost were the next in line in a line of artists that really were significant. And I, and I actually believed that, you know, it wasn't just, we didn't do it if we didn't think the band were a good band. You know, there were certain acts that we probably didn't really fully support, even though, you know, Jen and Martin might have been enthusiastic about them. For us, it was a bit like, mm, not really sure, you know? Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, but actually, um, those that we did believe in, we would try and back to the hilt and try and ways of of making them, you know, matter to our audience. And obviously in the pre-internet days, what that really meant was going, okay, how do we cover these people almost week in, week out? What are the things that we're going to deliver that are going to be, you know, it's going to be different every week, but it's going to keep that message consistent that this band matters. Yeah. You know, here they, and we have to do it without it just boring the audience as well. So that's what we would do. We would try and work out these 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 actual plans, which sounds insane when you think about it, but actually it is also how Kerrang! still works now, you know, um, in that we are lucky now where we are is that we have, we still have a weekly magazine when there are no other weekly magazines left in the UK, but we have an office in London, we have an office in Brooklyn, and what we work on is almost like, you know, how do we develop an 18-month-long plan that involves magazine support, video we have a, a bunch of live shows that we run ourselves under the banner of the K-Pit, which are running these two dive bars in yes. London and Brooklyn. And, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. so, yeah, yeah. So, like, the likes of, you know, Machine Head have come and done it and what have you, you know, right the way through to, to developing acts. Um, and, and, and for us, the thing that hasn't changed is that those developing acts are still what matter the most. You know, I'm really glad Machine Head came and did the tape it, and it gives us the reputational pull um, that make make people check out a set by someone they don't know. You know, the same with Mastodon, the same with all the bigger bands that have done it. But really, you know, just as important to us is the fact that you know, very early on in their career, we did a set with Conjurer, 
and Tundra, I think, are an amazing band. And I think that, you know, they've had a good 12 months since we did that set with them um, to the point where they now have also, you know, they're still signed to Holy Raw in the UK, but Monty Connor has kind of signed them for the States. So that's really important. And, and, and it's still about developing artists in the right way. You know, so, so that, 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 those principles that came from the 90s haven't really shifted. Right. And the idea, you know, the idea of people still being mad enthusiastic about it lies at the core of what we do. And, and what about what about the other way round? Have you gone to, have you gone to bat four bands and taken them to a label or steered a label towards somebody and said, look, you know, if if you were to sign them, we'd get right behind them because we love them. Um, you know. Yeah, but but I mean, it's never been quite as. I mean, let's put it this way: we've never been that. Um, yeah, we've done that in, in a way. But actually, I guess I guess you know, simple example was. It was, it's more to do with, you, you know, if, if we hear a demo by a band, even to this day, we tend to react to it in some shape, way or form. Um, but there are a few really simple examples. We did a couple of Clang Weekenders down in Canberra Sands. They were, um, you know, like, it was like, literally, we booked the venue, we booked 50 bands, which was a fatal error on my part, to be <laughs> Um, well, I mean, you can't fit 50 bands on that fucking site, you know, even no. if it's over three days. You know, especially when they're... I mean, I remember the first tour bus turning up and the dude going, where's the turning circle, mate? And I went, you fucking what? Oh. Turning circle? There's a roundabout at the end of the road there, mate. If you turn around there, maybe you might be able to turn back around. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> but but one, of, one of the bands that we did put on there, there were a demo band. They were on on the Sunday, so it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They were on on the Sunday, and the Sunday was the, the night, you know, the day where it was like, Everyone was going to fuck off home, so you know we only had six bands on there. But Rod Smallwood was living up not too far away because uh, he was down in Hove, and I was like, "Why don't you come up and have a beer around Sunday lunchtime? We've got some bands on. What else are you going to be doing?" He was like, "Oh yeah, cool. I'll turn up." And one of the bands that was on, one of the first bands on, was was Funeral for a Friend, completely unsigned at that time. Wow! And like literally, Rod walked in and just went, "These guys are amazing," and I, you know, they ended up signing. A deal with Sanctuary, and it kind of it kind of went on from there, you know. Yeah. The other band, the other band that played the Weekender, um, and that arrived two days early, actually, uh, and they were a demo band with Biffy Clyro, and it was hilarious because it was that first Friday, as I was saying to you, when when they, you know, where's the turning circle? Yeah. Anyway, we get get to the end of the night. I'm sitting in the production office, going, "Fuck me, just about got away with that, haven't we?" And there's a knock on the door, and. Uh, Open the door, and there's these three geezers standing there. I'm like, "Sorry, can I help you?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, we're, um, we're playing." And I'm like, "Right, um, who are you?" And they're like, "Oh, we're we're, uh, we're busy Clyro." I'm like, "Oh right, okay, great." Um, but you know, you're playing on Sunday, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, but we were just so excited. We thought, well, why, why would we wait around at home? We're just going to drive down and come and hang out, and maybe maybe you guys are like a football game in the morning, and and maybe I'm like." Yeah, that, that, that's all cool, apart from saying we've got absolutely nowhere to house you because the fucking campsite, I mean, the whole, it's a fucking butlin' holiday camp. It is full of people who bought their tickets, and then the other parts are full of musicians that are staying on site. So we had to put the three of them in a condemned chalet, <laughs> which had which just had mould growing down the wall, you know. And, oh, um, God. Well, and, welcome and, to the music and, business. And, yeah, and, and to be really honest with you, I, in fact, I, I saw them in Birmingham uh, at the tail end of last year, must have been November, and um, still still laughing about it now. <laughs> like, you know, 20-odd years on. So, you know, I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like, to come back to your point, 
Have we steered people towards label deals? In some respects we have, but more significantly, we've just supported the Act, whether they are signed or unsigned. Right. And, and actually, yeah. for, for me, if, if a band are doing it themselves, that doesn't mean that we just go, oh, you haven't got a, a label, bollocks to you. Or if they're signed to a tiny label, that doesn't mean we go, you know, whatever. It, it, it's, it just means if they're good, we will champion them and hopefully they will be able to stay the course. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so so basically, you're not you're not crossing that line where you become where you're becoming an A and R department. All you're doing is you no. just you're just supporting bands that you genuinely yeah. like. We had a situation a while ago where a major label came to us and basically said, "Would you work with us in developing acts in an A and R capacity?" And some of that was directed at me personally, and some of that was directed, you know, to me and playing as a brand and I just felt it was a massive conflict of interest because yeah. how could we do that without you know if we're signing with a particular label it would have just felt wrong um, so you know how can you say to an act well here's what's open to you if you're aligned to a specific label and how can you then not be prejudiced in terms of the acts from that label that are signed elsewhere coming back towards you but it got very very close to actually happening and in the end, to be honest with you, um, I, I kind of walked away from it, and um, you know, and, 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 and off it went. So, uh, but no, we just felt as though you couldn't really cross that. You know, there are people at labels that we all know, and we'll go, oh, check this out. You know, the conversation is always, what have you heard? You know, I still see every, every time I go to New York and I go to our office over there, I still hook up with Monty Connor, and the first conversation is, what have you heard? What have you like heard? Between yeah. both of us. You know, and, and, and actually, it'll be a, there'll be a shitload of stuff that I'll tell him about and he'll tell me about. He can't really sign a load of it because it doesn't really fall into his remit. But then, you know, there, there are bands that he that he, that he he will sign. You know, yeah. like Tundra for the States is a really good example. But, you know, um, he signed a little band called Iris, um, I-R-I-S-T. Doesn't mean anything, I don't think, but um, <laughs> they're really good. Um, and... and 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 then you know he signed Paul Bearer, who again ten years into their career, um, you know I think they're just again it's they're going to evolve continue to evolve, um, and over time their significance is just growing, you know. So I think that's the other thing that's changed is even though the world is faster um, and there are probably more opportunities now, it is quite hard to um, to get that cut through. And to, you know, I think it takes longer to develop an act now. Yeah. Um, and I think you're talking about a 10-year development plan, really, which was not the case back in the day. And, you know, in, in terms of your band in particular, for instance, it's like, OK, crash, bang, wallop, get on with it. Yeah, and and the, I mean, look, you know, obviously the difference being, you know, the internet and just trying to, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm forever telling anybody, you know, you go... you. Back in the day, you know, you want to announce a tour, you put an advert in Raw, you put an advert in Kerrang, yeah. you put an advert in Metal Hammer, yeah. uh, job yeah. done. You know, now, yeah. now you've got 4,000 metal sites for the UK and, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you look at a site like Blabbermouth where it's, it's basically yeah. just, it's basically a 24-hour news cycle. You're only on the front page yeah. for about maybe an hour, hour and a half. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of people will glance at, you know, at sites like that once a day, they're not going to click back through the pages like I do, like a nerd, and go and find you know, where they were last time and then read all the stories that have happened since. 
And um, you know, I mean, we've been back for five years, and we do, and we did some dates just before Christmas. And a bloke came up to me and said, "Do you know what? I didn't even know you were back until a week ago." And so I bought the album, bought a ticket, yeah. and here I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's the other thing as well, isn't it? It's like it's just the speed is such that, like, it's like look, you know, like every aspect of social media now is just insane. You know, it's it's um, um, it, it really is one of those situations whereby it's like it, it just kind of you, you, you reach that point really quickly where where it's the attention span of a, of a mat. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're, I mean, we're, I'm, I'm effectively managing the, the acid rain 24 hour news cycle. Because right. ultimately, yeah, yeah. you've got to be posting something once a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. And, and, and you can't just constantly keep posting about your new t shirt or, you, or you're doing some gigs or stuff like that. You know, you've, you've got to have a tone of voice and you've got to broaden the conversation and, and, and ask, you know, and ask your, your audience questions and get them involved. And I think I, I see, yeah, yeah. I, I see a lot of bands that is just like, you, you know, you're just using it as an advertising channel and it's not speaking to anyone. It's, you know, it's yeah, speaking yeah. at them. Yeah. 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 But yeah. then again, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, uh, I mean, the thing about social media that's amusing to me is like it, there's almost an inbuilt obsolescence. So, you know, I mean, my, my, my son is 18, right? And the idea of him relying, he might still be involved in Instagram to a degree, but everything's moved again. And it's like, well, where the fuck have you moved to now? You know, the idea of there being like, like you know, forget about, I mean, Facebook is so gone as far as he's concerned anyway. Uh, and he was never really that involved in it. But literally, he's just moving the whole time. And it's like, look, and whenever I spend my time asking him where he gets information from, it's just bizarre, you know, because it's this maze of kind of sources. Um, and it doesn't really, you know, does it mean he's engaged? Well, in some cases it really does, actually. But actually, in others, it's just like this wall of noise that just hits him on a 24-hour basis, pretty much. You know, it's, it's, it's weird. Really weird. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I sold people took over Facebook fairly early doors, didn't we, and started posting pictures of our dinner and shit like that. And um... yeah, I mean, I, I've never really been on it, and I, and I don't, you know, the truth of the matter is, I'm I'm, I'm a terrible user of social media because I've got to be honest with you, I, I don't give a, I don't really give a fuck. I've spent eons like just, I'm really happy sitting in my room on my own. That's the thing. <laughs> and, and actually, it sounds very antisocial, but I kind of am that way. I was, I'm not the most sort of like you know. Hey, you know, fucking hell! You know, look at look at me. I'm doing this. I'm like fucking whatever. You know, I mean, the best that I get is, you know, as you know, sticking up some fucking old album sleeves on Instagram, and then yes. even then, half the time I kind of lose vague interest, and then just go whatever. Let's 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 move on. Um, but it is weird, you know. It's like, I think it's one of those things where like, it's just not the most natural thing for me because generationally, I don't come from that time. I don't come from the time when I had to go. Let me tell you about me all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but, that, but I think that's what's happened. You know, you're in a situation whereby this is, this is the state of play now. People want to go, oh, you know, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you what I'm doing. Let me tell you what, like I said, what I've had for dinner. Yeah. I mean, fuck me, you know, why? Why do I want to know what you had for fucking dinner? <laughs> well, it's the, um, it, it, it is that, it, it's the... Um... The, the increase in importance as well, is it? because the, the knock-on effect of this is that people then think that their, 
that, that then think their opinions are, uh, are carry a lot more weight than they do. So that's where you, and, and ultimately this is where you get, you know, people complaining about stuff saying, well, I don't like this. Um, so therefore, um, you know, what can I do about it? You know, how can I get rid of this? As opposed to, well, I don't like it, so I'll just move on. You know? Well, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, and I think I think I don't know. It, it, you know, it's very old manish to moan about the state of social media, but I don't mean it that way at all because I, I don't mind. You know, people can do what they like and and, and whatever. But yeah. what amuses me is that most people who use social media then moan about social media, and yeah. it's like I, I don't care, I don't care enough about it to use it. Enough, therefore, I don't really see the point of moaning about it if you have used it too much. So, oh, it's like oh, people go Twitter is a cesspit. It's like well, all right. Well, then, fucking use it then. Yes. It's not that hard. Yeah. yeah. Just move on. Well, I mean, you know, I, 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 I admin nine social media accounts, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm far from one to, to slag it off. But um, I do have to regulate that, and I do have to just c- kind of, you know, take a step back now and again, and you know, you can get involved in pointless debates and all sorts of things like that. Um, and I think. Ultimately, it's it, the best way to use it is the is is the way you use it, which is you know like when you feel like it, as opposed to yeah, yeah. you know every twenty yeah. minutes. But I think there's also this other thing of like you know people needing to be on twenty four hours a day. Oh, give me a break. Why? What are you going to miss? It reminds me of my grandfather. Right, my grandfather used to wake up at five in the morning, listen to the news on the radio, then he'd listen to the news at six o'clock, then he'd listen to the news at seven. Yeah, this would go on throughout the fucking day, but of course he would have to watch the nine o'clock news on TV that night, which used to drive me mad because it meant that I would miss not the nine o'clock news on the one day that it was on, you know, because <laughs> Granddad had to watch the real news, and I'm like, mate, you know, it's like that. But what could have possibly changed? I mean, the dude read four newspapers, listened to every fucking, the news on the hour. By nine o'clock, do you not think you're pretty well fucking informed? (laughs) And and the thing that's amazing to me is that that, that now we're in in that position times a million. Yeah. And it's like something, something, what really makes me laugh is that something that happens at five o'clock on a Friday, by the time you get in on the Monday again, that feels as though that happened 20 years ago. Yeah. And and it's yeah. hilarious because what is the day, what what day the records come out on now? Yeah. Well, they come out on a Friday. Yeah. And the most hilarious thing is that they come out on a Friday and by the Monday, they can be gone, literally gone. People's kind of, like, you know, attention span. Yeah. You're kind of going, that's insane. Well, well, there is that, and there is that whole attention span thing as well. I mean, you know, when I know from having just put an album out, you know, you, when you when you start thinking about, um, you start thinking about what's going to be the first single, what's going to be the second, and you 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 have to think about that first that first thirty seconds, that first sixty seconds. Is, yeah, you know, yeah, is is there enough going on there to be able to grab people and you know designing the artwork? Yeah. Is is the is the album cover going to translate to a t shirt? Because now. That's more important than anything. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, but then again, you see, I, I actually think those are fairly, those are standard values. Actually, if I think about it, because I think to myself, this is like, you know, I've always thought that it's like, you know, the first tune on an album is crucial, and I've always thought that the artwork on an album is crucial. And, and I, I think agree, that yeah. actually, what what's, what's happened is that 
you know, people sometimes have just put out just whatever, you know, and, and some of my favourite bands included, actually. You know, you literally go, well, what is that, you know? But by the same, by the same token, you also think about, you know, the, the, the iconography of rock music, and, and you just know that there are, you know, some amazing records had the best artwork. You know, first six out of the albums, you know, Red records, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's loads. Of, and, and, you know, I mean, you know, Zep, in terms of their own artwork, is like, you know, that's an art form in itself almost, you know, in terms of how they their, their records look. But I think it's one of those things where when you go beyond the obvious into what engages an audience and makes them care about you more, that's, that's, where, the, that, that's where the real challenge lies. Because... It's a little bit like festivals in, in, in this day and age, you know. Um, how many more acts could you possibly cram onto a bill in, you know, 2020? Because every festival has a zillion and one bands, and you're kind of going, well, I don't really know where to look anymore because, um, you know, and, and, and again, without wishing to sound old manish. How about the festival that actually puts together a bill of like, you know, one day with eight really fucking good bands and there's a feel and a flow to how this day is going to work for you as a member of the audience. So I think that cut through is really important because of just the fact that there's just so much noise all the time. Just, you know, you just can't get away from it. Even if you participate in social media in the, in the, in the kind of you know, in the minimal sense of the term, you, you are still probably looking at your phone, checking your phone two or three times, you know, uh, between the start of the day and lunchtime, if not more. And, and by the time you've got to the evening, you have absorbed so much information that actually you've forgotten about what there was in the morning. Um, and from an artist's point of view, how does that then work? You know, because... What is it that stays front of mind from, from your audience's point of view? It's, it's an impossibility because no artist commands an audience that is solely their own. Yeah, yeah. And and ultimately, um, you're also fighting against, well, not against, but you're, 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 you've got a stake in the entertainment industry. And along, you know, during our time in the amusement business, the, the gaming industry has become huge. You know, and oh, that, yeah. and that is an and but but there is a you know there's a there's a there is a crossover there with you know bands you know their music you know people discovering bands through gaming and and you know I think I think that's a I think that's a good thing, um, but there's just so many there's so many I see what you're saying there's so many demands on the listener basically. Um, yeah, and and, and it's, it's the demands of time, isn't it? It's like look, you know, you could sit in bed. You could actually not leave your bed and just spend your time on your phone, probably from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to sleep, by the exception of maybe needing a piss and maybe feeling a bit hungry. You could just waste your entire time doing that. And, and actually, the time that is wasted in terms of those pursuits is amazing because when you think about it, well, you could also be sitting there and actually genuinely listening to a piece of music and by that I don't mean having a piece of music on in the background I think that's the other thing I think people probably think I'm crazy because I actually still like the process of listening to music and, and somebody goes to me well what do you do when you listen to music I'm like I sit there and listen to music they're like yeah but what else do you do why do I need to do anything else 
I can just sit there and listen to music. It's pretty good. And, and, and that's enough for me because it inflames my imagination. But, but no one does that anymore. It's always like, oh, I'm, I'm listening to music, but I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing the other. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a fucking musical monk and live in an ivory tower with no sense of, like, you know, life or reality. But I am saying that actually what has happened is the displacement of importance in terms of music or art is very real to me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it basically, I, 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 I see what you mean. And I completely get the whole just listening to music thing because I, I that's I I heard that the best one ever. A friend of mine the other day said, "Oh yeah, um, oh I, yeah, I had that movie on the other day while I was um, while I was doing some DIY." Yeah. I, was, I was like, "Fucking yeah, yeah. what?" Yeah, yeah. How does yeah, that well, work? There you, go. you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, yeah. Look, look, Phil, that is a that is a great place to leave it, but don't go anywhere because I have some questions for, from subscribers. If that's okay. Yeah, far away. And there you have it. There is my interview with Phil. Say interview, more of a chat. And what suddenly kind of sprung to mind after all that was I was thinking quite a few of you got in touch after last month's episode and said, oh, like, you know, can't believe it's taken you this long to get Tony Dolan on your podcast. You know, um, uh, a friend of mine who I've known for, you know, over 20 years and what a lovely guy. And why hasn't he been on sooner? And then I follow it up. <laughs> This month with Phil. What a lovely guy. And why has it taken me all this time to get him on the podcast? I don't know, guys. That is the answer. I honestly don't know. Um, but as you heard there, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a while. Um, and um, uh, yeah, we're gonna, we, we haven't managed to hook up for a beer yet, but we, um, we are going to do that. Um, and the uh, and Melanie, who he refers to in the interview, is a girl that we both know. Um, who, funnily enough, I met by um, s- sitting next to her on uh, at Martin Hooker's uh, memorial. And during the during the um, the memorial, um, uh, I don't I don't want to go into it too much. But anyway, we ended up becoming becoming friends just through end up sitting next to each other. Fast forward about three weeks and I'm getting on the train at Paddington Station to come back to my place and I get this text message and it's and it says, oh, hi, H, uh, Melanie from uh, Martin's uh, memorial we met the other week. Um, Are you by any chance on a train at Paddington uh, going out to Heathrow? I think I might have seen you. So I think, hey, so I stand up and I look around and there she is. So I go over and we have a chat. Anyway, it turns out, no, she's not on the way to Heathrow. She's on the way to Hanwell, which is where I live. I ask where she lives. She lives two streets away from me. And yet we met in deepest, darkest Shropshire, purely coincidentally sitting next to each other at Martin Hooker's memorial. How odd is that? Hey, life. Well, that's it, by the way. That's that's there is you know that's the end of the story. There's nothing else coming here. Um, that's it. But um, anyway, a little bit of a tangent. I hope you all enjoyed that. Just to prove that the old uh, ADHD medication is not going to p- completely eradicate tangents. But how's that for one? Anyway, um, look, you know, Phil is so embedded in the scene and uh, some of you old schoolers might be going oh fucking hell look at what's happened to Kerrang now yeah well it, it it's like it's what it needs to be now um, simple as that it, it, it couldn't st- if it if it remained what it was when we all used to buy it it wouldn't be around now and 
yeah, that's just that's the way it goes, isn't it? You know, it's like it's like the age limit on memes I was talking about earlier. Yeah, there's 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 an age limit to these things. You know, now, um, you know, Metal Hammer and and Prog Magazine, that's for us now. Yeah, Kerrang is now for a completely different demographic. So let them get on with it. Doesn't mean it's shit. It just means it's not for us. Fair enough. And of course, unless you're a, like a younger listener, in which case, you know, hope you're loving, hope you're loving Kerrang. In case you're a younger listener, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> um, so, um, so anyway, yeah, um, great to catch up with Phil, etc., um, etc. Et um, what else has been going on in the world of metal? Um, D. Schneider is currently try- is campaigning to get Rock back at the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, uh, you know, not that not that we care over here, but um, it's an admirable um, a campaign. If you want to join it, uh, you can sign up on Twitter. Um, D has also been breaking news, apparently, of ACDs ACDC's next album, saying there's going to be um, some Malcolm Young surprises on there. So, um, well, thanks for that, D. More breaking news: Extremes long-awaited new album is pretty much done. Long-awaited by. Both extreme fans. I hope they are very happy about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, now I look. I'm just not a fan. You get it. Just, just not a fan. Anywho, um, now is time for a little bit of an added extra. Okay, um, there is a Facebook group. Um, they're on Twitter, on um, uh, on Instagram as well. UK Thrashers. Now, UK Thrashers has been put together by a guy called Neil Brannigan Fuller, who is somebody I know through having set this up, but also he um, he kindly crewed for us in Scarborough um, uh, just before Christmas. Um, and um, he is putting together, well, UK Thrashers are putting together a uh, moshing the roof on. Um, I'll let him explain. Uh, it's a charity album, all uh, proceeds going to um, homeless charities. And um, I messaged Neil and said, oh, you know, do you want to, it might be an idea to have a, a chat on the podcast about this. And he goes, oh, yeah, no, no that'd be awesome. So I said, "All right, do you fancy having a, a, a quick chat now, just to give me an idea of, of of what it is, and we, you know, we can we can do it sometime in a couple of weeks?" And he goes, "Yeah, no problem. Of course, <laughs> that was me being hilariously deceptive. And what I actually did was recorded the phone call um, and used that as the interview. So um, yeah, it's um, it's a pretty priceless moment when I tell him that." Um, <laughs> That I've been recording everything, uh, but anyway, um, it, it's it's such a worthy cause. Um, you know, bands are going to get great exposure, charities are going to get uh, funds. What's not to like about that? So here to tell us all about it is Neil Brannigan Fuller. So now to ring Neil and not tell him that it's on the podcast. Hello. How are you, man? I'm all right, you? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How how did you enjoy your um, uh, your your brief road crew experience? Yeah, it was good. It was a good night. It was nice to catch up with uh, Pete and uh, meet Mark at last, and kind of say hello to uh, uh, to Cookie and uh, and the uh, the quiet one. Oh, just 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 list everybody in the band apart from me, you twat. Well, no, I, yeah, <laughs> but I know, but you know, you go without saying, don't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose I do. Yeah. Uh, and and as it is, you being a patron, you feel like you know me already. I, I, I talk I talk to you at least twice a month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even even if I'm just shouting at you for being a cunt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, 
So, um, so what, what have you been? Uh, what have you been listening to? Have you, have you managed to hear the uh, the new Sepultura yet? Uh, it is out for delivery by uh, Amazon Prime, so I'm expecting it to uh, be on the doorstep when I get home. Oh, Amazon Prime, eh? Didn't realise uh, you were, didn't realise you were a millionaire. No, no, we've got. I'm using the daughter's uh, student um, half price discount. Brilliant, so, brilliant, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Voucher codes same, everywhere. Same with my Netflix account. I don't, I don't pay full price for anything. That's why we have kids. So, um, so where are you from? That's that's sounding like a definitely a northern trait. Uh, I'm the Midlander. I'm from Coventry. Right, but that's that, uh, yeah. But where I am in London, that is the north. <laughs> well, that is the north. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not. I'm not from there. Well, I don't live there. I moved away when I was sixteen, so I, I live in. Uh, I live in Somerset now. Uh, well, it's, oh right, so you're from Coventry, but you live in. So yeah, I thought you would. I thought you were way down there, the old uh, carrot crunching land, because it took you. That's it. Yeah, it took you forever to get to uh, Boston Music Rooms. It flipping did, and uh, and it's going to take me forever to get to uh, Mosh for Cancer as well. That's a that's going to be a good trek. Yeah, that is a um, that that's that's a bitch for quite a few people. Well, it, well it's looking like we're going to have some more dates around that time as well, and um, uh, and following on from that, you know, things are starting uh, to, things are starting to move now. I'll be doing um, I'll be doing a more cheerful um, Patreon catch up this month. No, that's good. I saw you'd signed with uh, Fat Angel, so that's yeah. um, who's that? Is that Dan? Um, well, I'm dealing with Chris, um, okay. but I'm obviously aware of Dan as well. Um, yeah. And um, it's it's quite cool how it's worked out. I mean, it, we have kind of I feel well, we've wasted about four months, and it's and that's uh, my fault, frankly, for for getting the wrong guy on board. But um, we've kind of ended up in the ideal position because Fat Angel are just using looking after the UK, and and Paramount are now looking after. Um, Basically, Europe, North America, South America, you know, rest of the world, Far East, etc. So we've actually got an agent who is actively looking to um, put us into, you know, the rest of the world other than, um, uh, you know, the UK. So it's great, really. You know, it's, we've, got, we've got there in the end, but it's been painful. Yeah. It's been fucking uh, painful. Shit's meant to, to test you, innit? But uh, as long as it all comes good in the end, that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And speaking of which, um, a reason I wanted to talk to you was about this um, uh, about this here um, homeless thing that you're doing. Um, yeah, I thought we could. Uh, I thought we could do a feature on the podcast on it. Oh, that'd be excellent. Yeah. Um, so we'll put, we'll pick a time. You know, let me know when you know. Let me know when you're about, and um, we'll pick a time and um, and and kind of have a chat and maybe. Well, I was going to say do a giveaway, but that doesn't really uh, giveaways yeah. don't work on 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 the audience to talking bollocks because basically they're people of your age. Um, so they don't give a shit. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I think I think you were the sole. I think you were the sole bidder for my um, cunt t-shirt. From the, uh, yeah, yeah. The wife's not very happy with that on the wall. I have to say, brilliant. brilliant. Well, good on you, mate. Good on you. Well done for well well done for getting it up there. Um, I'm sure that'll be in the loft in no time at all. I don't know. It's, it's sat with one of Mark's drum skins and uh, and some other fucking random tap that I've collected over the years. So uh, it's kind of sat. The, the room I'm reclaiming from the kids that was apparently their homework room is turning back into my man cave so she can fuck off. She's not getting in there. Did I hear you correctly there? Did you just refer to the T-shirt that I wore on stage for all four of the very first tour dates of the very first Acid Rain album in 29 years as Tat? 
Uh, I'm using her analogy, not mine. Uh, right, OK. Right. Well, well your wife <laughs> and I... one voice. Your wife and I will be having words when we meet, that's yeah, for well, sure. Yeah, she, well, she's a Hull girl, so she'll probably kick your ass. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's 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 probably preferable um, with, with a whole girl. What you know? most whole girls do, yeah, to you, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, yeah. So, um, what gave you the idea about this? About this is it is it all your was it all your idea or what? Um, it, yeah, basically, um, the normal thing, I guess. And what is it? Sorry, what exactly? What is it? Right. So, what we're doing is um, twenty six bands from across the UK. Uh, some are kind of. I use the word established in the loosest possible term. Uh, some are up and coming, which I also use in the loosest possible term. Um, bands have all offered up free t- like tracks from either stuff they're recording or existing demos, EPs or whatever. Um, I'm putting them all onto a, a double album that's available to buy in jewel case uh, or download. Uh, Andy, BMA, Andy's done, Pilkington's done, done me artwork for it he's doing all the layout and cover because he's a bloody nice bloke um and uh we're going to vlog it and we're going to raise as much for shelter as we can so that's um, amazing when's it come out it's going to come out i think very start of april so the first week in april um i'm taking pre-orders now uh mainly so i know how many cds to order uh because i don't want to get stuck with you know 100 cds in my fucking don't don't worry mate i'm way ahead of you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you've probably got stacks in your spare room, haven't you? <laughs> hey, hey, no, we 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 sell out, you fucking bastard. <laughs> Made into a futon, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, yeah. You know those old C, you know those old CD ashtrays. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've, got, I've got a few of them. <laughs> no, I just obviously because it's for charity. I don't want to. I don't want to spunk a load of money on on stuff that's just going to sit there and not return return on the investment. So. I've sold, uh, I think I've got about 50 pre-orders at the minute, just short, um, for the physical and about three or four download only, but that'll, I'm not too worried about that. So, uh, at the moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay for the first 50 copies anyway, and that's my contribution. I've got no talent, so I've got to put some money into it. What's that, what's um, that costing you? Um, I've got a really good deal, actually. Cra- do you know Cram Duplication? Andy put me in touch with them, actually. I, mate, I, I, we, we're on a record label. I don't physically get involved in the production You don't need to CDs. deal with that shit anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> um, there's a company called Cram uh, that have done me a, uh, a ridiculously good deal, basically. Uh, it works out at uh, £2.55 a copy for a double jewel case. Right, OK. Uh, inc- so... Including shipping, printing, all the art, everything, you know, everything done. So... Um, you know, I'm seven pound fifty clear on every 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 one we sell, basically. Right. Okay. So so you're chucking in just over a hundred quid yourself. I'm gonna, I, yeah, because it, it will sell them in blocks of a, a, a fifty. Yeah. So I'm gonna put hundred and I think the first lot is hundred and fifty quid. It comes down to two hundred fifty five if you buy hundred. Right. Uh, which okay. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do two hundred at least anyway. Yeah. Um So so I'm throwing in the hundred and fifty quid for the first batch. And what's, uh, and and what's then, that uh, company again? To... You say cr- cram. Yeah, C R A M duplication. So uh, obviously, Andy obviously points his smaller clients towards them if they're after you know demos being burnt and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, they seem they yeah. seem like good eggs. Yeah, no, that's 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 awesome. And now obviously, Andy's. Um, how did you get in touch with Andy? Did you just hit him up on the social media? Uh, no, it was um, so I, I posted. <laughs> Robbie and Carl posted something on the um, Trash Metal Club's site uh, page, Facebook thing, uh, and Andy went. Suddenly, about 10 minutes later, I got a friend request from Andy, uh, and he said, 
I'll do your, I'll do your, uh, I'll do your graphics and stuff for you. What do you want? And there you go. That is that uh, is a that is a typical Andy Pilkington story. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a, he's, he's been brilliant, and yeah, you know, and a font of all knowledge as well. He's you know he's been giving me advice on bits and bobs, and because he did a big, um, he did a big kind of triple uh, compilation album at some point, didn't he? He was, he yes. was telling me. Uh, yeah, and Headbangers Ball, that's why I had MTV in my mind, or halfway there. Um, and he was saying that, you know, he, so he, he's kind of giving me a couple of tips and lessons learned. And, um, you know, uh, Mark, oh, sorry, not Mark, Pete, Mr. D has been giving me advice to make sure I don't do anything too fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, and, you know, most of the bands, it doesn't matter because they're, you know, they're all kind of demo level or self, self, um, self-released EPs and albums, but, you know, there's a couple of slightly bigger bands there with management, so I didn't want to make myself look a, a complete prick in front of uh, proper professionals. Do you still but, do you still uh, need any do you still need any bands or anything like that? I'm just thinking um, of people I know that I could, but I, I, well, I've got it all rounded up. I'm I'm just looking. I'm, so I've got 21 of the 26 tracks. Right. Um, I, I'm just waiting for those five tracks, and then I need to see how much space I've got left on a CD. Because yes. obviously I'm limited yes, to me- megabytes and minutes um, to make sure. I, I, what I didn't want to do is overpromise uh, and then end up turning around to people and saying, "Look, yeah. I'm sorry, thanks for your support. I know you'd love to help, but you're only on the download, not on the album, or some shit like that." Which I so I I've I, I backed off a little bit and and kind of stopped it stopped it there and kind yeah. of uh, but you know we've got seventy you've got seventy eight minutes to fill basically. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm looking looking enough. Most bands have come in with, because it's a, a thrash album, most bands, even if they're kind of, they're meandering out of the thrash realm, have come in, uh, come in with their kind of short, sharp shop. So there's, a, you know, there's a few two and a half minute tracks on there. So I'm, I've been slowly nibbling away at minutes. So I, I reckon I've got at least a room for another one on each CD, uh, as long as none of the, uh, the last four bands come in with any kind of uh, prog masterpiece, 12 minute long fucking with a choir and an opera and, you know, small children fucking doing hallelujahs at the start or anything stupid. Um, well, I, I could try and put you in touch with um, uh, Cerebral Scar. They might have something for you. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. Um, let, let me see. Unfortunately, we've just done the... Of course, we just did the anthology. Um, otherwise, I would have, you know, found something to, you know, lend our name to and, and, and put it on there. But Yeah, um, well, I, 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 I was you know, a bit... I, I, I was, obviously we don't own sorry. we don't own any of the new stuff, so no, exactly, you know, and I, you and I knew that, that because no, I I know that you know as part of your and because obviously listening to uh, listening to the bollocks, I know that you kind of uh, you you kind of given away uh, all the stuff you owned again to uh, to dissonance for you know with the new label and everything. So and and to be honest, I didn't expect any big bands on there. To, you know, I I, I went out with a it was going to be a bit of an underground thing. And, you know, the guys who were doing a lot of the bands are doing metal to the masses this year and all that sort you know, it's all that sort of stuff. So I was never expecting, it was a bit of a showcase for those young bands who were, you know, doing gigs in the local area and nothing else. Um, but then I had a few, few people get in touch. So, you know, uh, Rich from Solitary gave us a shout and kind of offered something and, you know, and then kind of, uh, yeah. So there's, there's a couple of slightly bigger names on there. The Illyrian boys that I know you played their, um, their CD a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I saw them get on board. Actually, I saw the posts about that. Yeah. So, um, yep. Yeah, so they're good lads, and then let's say Mark's. Uh, Mark's given me some. I've got to say in a Geordie accent, otherwise it doesn't make sense. And that's Cynthia. Uh, and then uh, Syn- um, uh, Synthetta. 
Synthetta. Synthetta. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so it, it, yeah, it turned out really well. I couldn't, you know, it was, uh, I was expecting to put out a single, a single, you know, maybe 10 songs on a, on a CD in a card slip, uh, you know, with a, something created with my crayons on the front cover. And it's turned into, uh, hopefully something quite impressive and something that will, you know, get, I don't know, a but, grand for charity. Who knows? Well, you've, you've seen, you've had an experience there of exactly what happens when, um, you 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 know rather than talk about something when you do something because like you said you know you, you ultimately you had the idea oh maybe thinking you know cd in a cardboard sleeve but once you actually make things happen once you actually say you're going to do something other people get on board and all of a sudden it's a collaboration and people are, are throwing in expertise that you had never initially um budgeted for and all of a sudden it's like well you know with all these people on board, you can actually do something even grander than you thought. And then who knows, you know, you, you might, you might be doing like, you know, album number three, this time in five years. Yeah, exactly. And well, you know, other than that, there's, there's quite a few of the bands have said, so uh, when we do the gig and it's like, Oh fuck off. Here we go. I didn't want to be, I don't want to be a promoter. I was just, don't, yeah, don't get, I mate, just... <laughs> mate, don't get into that. Don't get into no, that. Exactly. But uh, one no. thing I was going to say was, um, if you give um, if you give uh, me some CDs, get us some CDs, whatever, we'll put them on our merch stall um, and we'll sell them and I'll make sure you get 100% of the revenue from that. Um, oh, that'd be brilliant. Thanks, mate. Ob- obviously, we'll take off our 50%. But, um, oh, naturally, yeah, without, without and yeah, handling fee. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, in, fa- in fact, I'll ju- tell you what, we won't take any money. We'll just beat up a couple of homeless people. Um, hey, well, that's what we all used to do when leaving gigs anyway, wasn't it? Uh, this, oh. is, this is purely my guilt. Mate, mate, the homeless people were usually ones selling the bootleg merch. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Given to them by the local Jamaican uh, reproduction crowd outside of the NEC and places like that. Oh, man. every I, Look, I'm, I'm sure I've told this on the podcast um, before, and I'm sure you've heard it before, but... Um, the the look on the face of the bootleg merchandise guy after the uh, Twisted Sister gig at Manchester Apollo, and he's selling bootleg um, come out and play tour t shirts on the pavement. And uh, I said, "Excuse me, mate." And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, um, "These shirts." And he's like, "Yeah." I said, "Do you do mail order?" And because I was just a cocky fucking tosser, yeah. obviously, the look on his face was just like, "No." <laughs> no. It was fucking hilarious. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, so give us some discs. We'll we'll flog them. Also, the other thing I was thinking about was you mentioned Mosh, you know, Mosh against cancer. There, um, yeah. You know, band together with them. Also, the um, I can introduce you to the um, the Nor- the Northern Ireland. Um, you know, mental health, metal health. Uh, yeah, well, I've been speaking to Gillian anyway. Right, cool. Uh, because because obviously I. Oh uh, yes, I, of course you have. Yeah, because I brought the. I brought, I brought your sweaty T-shirt. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, but the problem is, Shelter, Shelter don't have a... They, they're affiliated in Northern Ireland, but they don't have a ah, Northern Ireland right. branch. They don't so care I, about They don't care about they don't homeless in Northern Ireland. They don't care about fucking boggies, yeah. Right. Fucking <laughs> hell. Um, so, so I... Um, he, gets no, in, they, he gets in there with his old school AC's racism. Uh, no, yeah, sorry. You've got casual racism there. Got a casual racism. Never hurts. Um, but uh, no, so um, that's why we kind of kept it to Scotland, Wales, and so it's Wales and England shelter and Scotland yeah. shelter, uh, and then I'm going to divide the money between the two. So I managed to get a couple of grumpy jock bands on board, 
Basically, um, basically, it's like the football league. The structure of the exactly. CD is similar to the fo- is the, the the formation of the football league. Fine, all right. Yeah, yeah, but definitely not the Premier Division. That's it. So, have you um, uh, are you looking forward to um, uh, obviously if you're going to be posting CDs out, uh, it's like yeah, okay, you've got the CDs, but you're also going to have to you're also going to have to buy in the sle- the um, the postage sleeves to send them out. And then yeah, you've got postage I've got on top 100... of that. I've got 100 bubble wrap envelopes in the boot of my car, right. uh, plus uh, 100 uh, document enclosed envelopes. Uh, I've just ordered a ton of stickers and pin badges and oh, shit to I was in just, there as well. I was just going to say, um, the other thing you need to do is make sure... Have you got a printer at home? Uh, yeah, I have, but I'll use the work one. I don't want to waste my own fucking ink. Well, I was going to say, yeah, make sure, <laughs> make sure you print the stickers for addresses. Yeah, no, that is the I'll killer. Go. That is the killer. Well, if you don't That's the best thing those. about using Bandcamp because at least it yes. produces your all your mailing labels and everything, which yeah. is a, a you know even though there's some dyslexic fuckers that have put all their details in so far, I don't care. They, oh, yeah. They've typed it in. That's how it will go. I know. I I I agree. <laughs> um, uh, uh, PayPal. Do you remember that uh, episode of the uh, the podcast where I just start where I was just losing it about PayPal? Um, uh, yes, I do. All the hassles you had with yeah. yeah. Well, um, with that that again is a prime example of ADHD, actually, because I was I was angry and I, and it's like I couldn't calm down until I had that rant, um, which was like five minutes before I started doing the podcast. Um, Perfect timing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but yeah, basically, Bandcamp still offer that, whereas PayPal don't. It's such a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, so, well, Bank, uh, Bank Camp is... have been really good as well. Bank Camp have, uh, have reduced their salads fees for me down to five percent. Really? Um, That's yeah. Awesome. So they they've been fucking brilliant. Which I I you know I, I sent the email thinking oh, I've got to, you know you got to you got to ask haven't you? Yeah. Uh, and expecting you know to hear nothing. Uh, and then within about three days they were like came back with a that's brilliant. We've just given you a a super duper mega boost to whatever status because you know it builds up on amateur sell through their store, doesn't it? Yeah. Where, how it all works. So they've basically made it like I've sold a million quid's worth of stock through them, and then give, which you know reduces their their fees on it all down to down to five percent. So that's uh, that's obviously maximising uh, maximising the amount I'll get through uh, to, you know, through, to the, through to the charity, which is that's the, brilliant. Know, that, the most and, important thing. And what about the actual charity itself? Have you set it up officially? Is there a charity number? Are you registered, etc.? No, all it is is um, it's. It's kind of got the supported uh, supporting shelter um, charity. Right. So you're, un- you're under the so you're, you're under that umbrella as a fundraiser as opposed to an independent correct. charity. I, yeah, correct. I'm just fundraising on their behalf, really. So, um, but I'll, um, you know, I've, I, I offered all the bands if any of them asked to see it, um, you know, to see the to see the accounts at any time, just trying to keep yourself. You know, not that I'm going to fucking run away with the cash or anything, but it's just you know to give people that opportunity to uh, to to vet what I'm up to. But I'm sure it'll end up costing me more money than I I fucking make out of it. Well, it's <laughs> it's also worth um, keeping a record of all of that because uh, at any time, obviously, over the next seven years, the tax man can turn around and go, right, what did you do with all of this, and where did it all go? Yeah, um, exactly. Um, he has enough of my fucking cash already, so he ain't getting any more. Well, well, the other thing is that the other thing is that you can you can submit your um, your charity work um, as being um, as being uh, basically self self certification. Yeah. So you'll be able to self certify at the end of the year, along with obviously your tax earnings, 
So if they're yep. it, so you know you you oh. so you won't be punished. You you essentially you'd essentially get a, a break in tax for the money that you've yeah. lost on the charity. Yeah, that, the only thing is it means uh, putting me head above the ha- parapet and coming off paye again, which I uh, no, it doesn't. Fucking, oh, does it not? No, no, uh, okay. no, no. You can have a you can have a paye job and you can have you can have as you can have like ten other industry uh, businesses that you run as a, as a sole trader. Uh, okay. So, uh, but anyway, this, yeah, this anyway. is this is fascinating stuff, isn't it? Yeah, Sorry, mate. So, so, we, better than on the podcast, I suppose, isn't it? Let's not go down that. <laughs> yes, well, look, I'm, sure I'm for everyone to sleep. Um, uh, look, I'm excited for you because I'm um, I'm I'm loving the new um, Sepultura album. I am I you know I, I don't want to raise your hopes too much, to be honest. Uh, Robbie and uh, Robbie and Carl, I think, have already uh, thrown it. They you know, best best for fucking years. I've seen you post a couple of things and. In fact, you posted on the last podcast that you thought it was, you know, a massive, uh, a massive improvement on, uh, you know, step back towards what they used to do. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, to me, it sounds like what potentially it sounds like a 2020 follow up to Chaos AD. Fucking hell, thank God for that. Um, but there is there is a lot of music on it, and I mean, like in depth music. It's it's. I mean, it opens up like, with an absolute thrash masterclass, but it's there is all sorts on it. I mean, Andreas Kiss's guitar work on it is just in, in times at times there's no other word for it than beautiful. I mean, it's just and this drummer is the best guy they've had since Igor, without a doubt. And I think that just seems to have pushed them on. And Derek seems to have absolutely hit his straps and found his place. And yeah, I'm, I I just can't stop playing it. Oh, that's brilliant. And that, you know, for, as you say, for me, that was the, the last great Sepultura album anyway. Arise was, you know, it started going a bit funny after there, didn't it? You know, even even before uh, Igor and Max left with uh, with Roots was a little bit uh, odd. Well, I've got to be honest, <laughs> I, I love I love Beneath Remains. For some reason, I'm one of these weird people that still doesn't have that much love for Arise. But I love Chaos AD. So I love Beneath Remains, I love Chaos AD, and I, and I love Roots. Um, what? You know, How did you miss a rise then? Were you was it just were you just busy doing other shit so you never got you never got with it? Because that no you know, no I saw, no. Arise, I saw him on the Arise tour with uh, with Sacred Reich and Heathen and you know that was that was kind of my sweet spot for Sepultura. You know Birmingham Hummingbird, fucking messy messy night, uh, and yeah the Rise has got a kind of little special a special place. No, I, I missed him on all those tours, and and funnily enough, I saw him twice. I saw him on the club tour for Roots before they did the big venues. They did the small venues, and I saw, and that's one of the best gigs I've ever been to. That was fucking insane. And that was downstairs. That was the LA two downstairs, the Astoria, and then oh yeah, I saw their last ever show with Max and Igor at Brixton Academy. Ah right, I was there under a pale grey sky. Yeah. I arrived. Oh, yeah. Was that no? Did people know that was going to be the last one? Or no, was that, no. They all it fell was, apart after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they split up in the dressing room in the Brixton Academy after the show. Fucking hell! Mantle, mantle. Right, mate. Well, look. Um, let, let's organise a time to to get yeah, to get you on the podcast. You? What's kind of what kind of uh, what's your timeline? What do you, are you kind of are you working day or working evening or, or what works better? Well, oh dear me. Honestly, I'm such a funny guy. Um, You've just been on the podcast, mate. I recorded all of that. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> You're a cunt, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm the singer in your favourite band and bestest frontman ever. <laughs> I know. 
Oh, mate. Oh, I couldn't resist. Well, you're... Yeah. <laughs> I never said any of that. This is a recorded message. You've reached my answer machine. Yeah. If you'd like to fuck off after the tone. Oh, mate, it's too late for that now. Do you know what? When I messaged you and said, what's your number? And you said, you messaged back and said, give me a few minutes. I'm just, I'm just um, filling up with petrol. I started setting up, setting up all the gear so I could return, record the call. And I was just chuckling like a fucking idiot. I should know better with you, shouldn't I, you fucking tosspot? <laughs> oh, you can squeeze as many insults in as you like. But, you know, ultimately, you, you've, you've been done, mate. You're, uh, just give it up. You've been caught. <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, so uh, look, on, I, I'm right. I'm going to stop. I'm going to. I'm going to stop recording there. But um, thank you very much, mate. Uh, you're welcome, buddy. Thank you. Oh, actually, is there anything else you want to say, uh, like as regards the album? I mean, I think we've covered everything. Um, no, just um, obviously get on get on board uh, UKTrash.bandcamp.com um, and uh, you know get your get your orders in so I can know I have many copies to buy. What's all, what's all your other accounts? Your Instagram. Everything else is at UK Thrashers now. I managed to align it all to the same thing because it was fucking confusing me, let alone anyone else. Uh, so, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube and uh, Mixcloud, all at UK Thrashers. At UK Thrashers. Yeah. Brilliant. All right, well, look, mate, it's um, it's been great having you on. Uh, Neil, thank you very much, mate, and uh, have a good weekend. Thanks, mate. See you soon. Oh, I did enjoy that. I really did enjoy that. And I'm sure you enjoyed um, Neil calling me a cunt as well. Um, there you go. Doesn't happen enough, really, does it? Um, so, look, uh, get right behind it. Um, there's every reason to support it. As I said earlier, what's not to like? Um, he's doing, um, you know, he's doing a great job. And, and, and it's really good to hear all of the, uh, the all of the other organisations getting involved and helping out as well. That's really cool. So, um, yeah, you know, if there's anyone listening that can help it out, back it. Uh, spread the word, then please do. I will be on here. Um, and, you know, like like I always say, you know, the, the Talking Bollocks Army, get out there and uh, and spread the word. Um, so what else has been going on in the world of metal? I'll tell you what. Since 2006, Ross the Boss has been releasing traditional and raw epic metal, which calls up memories of the Man of War masterpieces from the 1980s with its very own style. Born of Fire is the fourth album of Friedman, right, and his band Ross the Boss, because he because his name is something Friedman, I've deleted the but Ross brackets the boss Friedman right Born of Fire is the fourth album of, of Friedman and his band Ross the Boss which arrives not even two years after 2018's By Blood Sworn you can't talk about genre defining acts in metals in the metal scene without mentioning the one man Ross the Boss Friedman who has written music history as a founder member of Manowar and the Dictators his influence in heavy metal and also punk is notable to this day yep that's a press release <laughs> yeah i mean i mean literally after that it should just say said no one ever Fuck off, will you? Deary me. That is just like... That's going to be the worst press release I've ever... It's just so over the fucking top. So over the fucking top. Oh, no, you know, you've got to... You, no, no. Just that is just not happening. Absolutely not happening. Um, 
I just, I just, it just made me laugh. The other thing I wanted to let you know all about was Murder in the Front Row, which is an awesome book, which, um, which I own. Um, and, um, we have, we've, in fact, I'm, I'm sure we've had, I had Harold on, didn't I? Um, who was, who was part of putting the book together. I mean, he's, you know, he's been around the Bay Area since the, the fucking word dot. Um, that, yeah, Harold, uh, Amenian. Uh, I, met, I had him on fucking years ago. Same episode as DRI, I think. Um, and he was awesome. Well, anyway, Murder in the Front Row, which is an incredible, incredible book. If you get if you can get hold of it, do get hold of it because it's just incredible. It's the birth of the thrash scene, the Bay Area, um, and everything else. Um, and um, it's it's been announced that a physical and digital release of April the twenty fourth. On DVD, deluxe DVD, 4K, HD, right? New bonus material. So basically, fucking awesome movie. It's essential. I can only find it in one place at the moment. Um, uh, well, actually, that was the last time I checked. Um, so why don't I? I very, by the way, I very nearly, I thought I'd found it uh, on Amazon. Very nearly bought it and realised it was actually a fucking poster. <laughs> um, uh, but um, uh, right, this is brilliant, isn't it? Murder in. This is me looking. Well, I'm just trying to keep it up to date. I'll tell you what, right? Murder in the front row. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's it's appeared. Um, right, that's the book. Uh, no, it's still not listed, but at least on Amazon anyway. The only place I could find it was the actual link um, uh, on the story, from the story in um, uh, Blabbermouth. Now, I'm not sure if they actually. I'm, I'm not sure if they actually shipped to the UK. I couldn't seem to to get it to the UK. It was MVD Entertainment, and the website is MVD Shop. M for Michael, V for Victor, D for Dicky. Shop MVDShop.com. Have a look for it. Um, and um, I'm going to try and get a copy as soon as I can because it's just a piece of fucking legendary thrash history that has to be done. Anyway, um, well, so. Red Hot Chili Peppers has changed guitarist again, as we mentioned previously. And I read, th- I saw this story and thought, hmm. And this is from um, uh, this is from the ex-guitarist uh, Josh Kinghoffer. Uh, John was definitely talking about ex-guitarist John Frusciante. John was definitely showing his face in the Chili Pepper world a little bit, just with emails and apologising about past behaviour. Every time I would hear a, a, a story about that, I thought, hmm, what's he doing? Does he want to come back? King Offer said his firing was a total blindside as the band was so far into writing uh, for, uh, of a new record. Here was an album that was more than half written, but I guess I let my guard down because I thought we had done so much work. King Offer said he, um, he expected the band to scrap the music they worked on and start over. The guitarist also said he was not particularly fond of the two records that he'd written and recorded with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I'm With You and The Gateway. Well, with you on that, certainly, Josh. But there you go. So all this brotherly love and bullshit that the, uh, the Chili Peppers seem to fucking throw around cons- constantly. And, uh, oh, no, uh, we, a guy we've been working with for over a decade? Yeah, we'll just fuck him over right here and now. Um... Yeah, I, 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 I kind of don't know why I've even brought the fucking Chili Peppers up because they just annoy me. I think I, I went off on them last um, in the last episode and um, and that's just fucking annoying. I'm going to have to move on or it's I'm just going to end up on a fucking Chili Peppers rant again. And you had one of those last time, so you don't want one again. But I tell you what, I can't... I, look, apologies, going to mention it again, but for fuck's sake, Paul Stanley on Life at the End of the Road Tour... The band isn't necessarily disappearing into thin air. Really? Isn't it? Can it, though, please? Can it? 
And Dave Mustaine, this is a brilliant... I, I, I don't know how this got on Blabbermouth, right? The headline is, Dave Mustaine doesn't want to perpetuate false information by giving Lars Ulrich songwriting writing credits on Metallica's early demos. Now, this story, right, is from February the 16th this year. Um... And it says, Dave Mustaine says, and that, that quote, this is, no, uh, n- uh, no Life to Leather was released as a limited edition cassette for record day, I think some of us remember this, in April 2015, right? And as I go on to read the story, the, uh, the, the most recent quote from Mustaine in the whole story is 2018. So I'm completely, compl- and then it just, and it lists the No Life to, to Leather, and it's like, well, hang on, that came out in 2015, and this and and the, the earliest quote there's a quote from Mustaine in 2018 then there's quotes from Ulrich in 2016 then there's quotes from Mustaine in 2017 then Ulrich in 2016 and then a listing of the the, the cassette and pictures of it when it came out in 2015 it's like absolutely not news it's just i don't know what the fuck i don't know why i've even shared that with you why did i why do, this seems to be the podcast of why have I done this? Why have I done that? Fucking second guess myself at every single fucking turn. But why? Why run that fucking story? You know, oh, fuck me. Headline, Dave Mustaine and Lars Ulrich not getting on. Really? What a fucking shocker. Right, let's move on. It's time for my good friend. Yes, that's right. It's time for Nath. Nathan from Shrapnel, um, they have a new album out call, uh, coming up called um, Palace for the Insane. And um, I think it's only right that you should all, all start pre-ordering it now. But obviously, listen to the interview first. This is Nathan and I having a chat just the other day. Yeah. Hello there. Well, hello there. <laughs> How are, are you, mate? Not bad. Just made myself a massive coffee. Oh, a what? Sorry, massive one. Oh, massive. Correct, <laughs> mate. Well, um, uh, that makes a change from you. It's usually a massive beer. <laughs> it would be, but yeah, uh, midday. That's right, no. <laughs> hey, it's it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> How's it going? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Just um, announced the rebellion this morning, um, yeah. which uh, which which will be great fun. Um, haven't been up there for yeah a while, about two and a half years. It's it, you know we we because we deliberately left um, you know twenty eighteen quiet because we you know we knew the album was probably going to come out twenty nineteen. Yeah. And then, of course, it didn't come out to, until the end of 2019. So, um, yeah, we're um, we, we are we're returning to a few places we haven't been for a few years, and um, well, you know what it's like, right? Yeah, rebellion's awesome, isn't it? Love yeah, it. very cool. But anyway, look, that's enough of um, enough of of what I've been up to and what we've been up to. You you guys are um, it's been well, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a, a funny old time since the last album, isn't it? Yeah, man, it's been a. Uh... Terrific. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the second album wasn't great for us, really. So, yeah, I mean, we did some, we've done some pretty cool stuff over the last couple of years. Uh, definitely stuff we sort of super proud of. And we love, we love the album. It's just, we were all over the place. You know, we had people in America, Germany. I'm here doing this stuff. So, yeah, 
it's kind of difficult to pull everything together. So uh, yeah, are you in um, are you in Cambridge as we speak? Uh, Oxford. Right. Okay. So uh, it's all hard. It's all hard work for you all the time. I haven't done anything. I've been here since September, and I haven't done anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those of you, for those listening who don't know where you are and what you're doing, please uh, please explain. Doing my PhD at the minute. Um, I'm at, Oxford. At, at Cambridge University. Oxford. Oxford. Apologies. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I don't know why I had it in my head that you were in Cambridge. And um, uh, and what you know, what are you taking? Uh, doing a subject called international relations, so I do I study Russian foreign policy, basically. <laughs> international relations, fucking hell! Right, okay. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, th- this has got to be this is a definitely different kind of start to a, an interview that I've done normally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm just doing my PhD in inter- inter- international relations. Obviously, already having got your degree in um, in thrash metal. Yes, yes, right. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, um, uh, it was no. Um, uh, I know I messaged you last night, and by the way, I've only had I've literally listened to the album once, so I haven't got any great, um, uh, like you know, uh, pearls of wisdom. But um, all I can say is that it sounds like shrapnel. I really enjoyed it. Um, possibly a little bit more melody in there. Yeah. So you listen to it once, but it takes a while, doesn't it? A longer yes. than that. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, because Well um, if you'd if you'd sent it to me as early as I sent you ours, do you know what I mean? I'd be well into it by yeah, now. Right. <laughs> Bastard. Surprised <laughs> by that, to be fair, like I forgot something. Shocker. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it's yeah, it's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, I mean, are you are you uh, infused? Have you gone off? You know, as as has the change in lineup meant that you know you've been able to kind of go off in different directions or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. I think that's maybe something to do with the length of it. So um, when you're writing as a four piece, obviously you've got Aaron in. Um, I mean, he's enthusiastic as fuck anyway. So so it gave us all a massive lift anyway. But I think when you've got a four piece and you haven't got like a sort of free roaming singer on their own. I think you can do more more instrumental stuff. You know, you don't have to worry about someone standing there looking like an arsehole. You can get, yeah, you can, you can have a, a decent sort of two-minute midsection if you fancy it. So you, you did a little bit of that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think in, just in general, sort of after the last couple of years, just having a bit of new blood in the band, so it really gave us a massive lift. That's that's really interesting because that's never I, I don't I, you know certainly in Acid Rain I don't think there's ever been a, a consideration for like oh you know that's 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 a big that's a big kind of instrumental section there we you know we better chop it down a bit it's like I've, yeah. I, I've always I've always remained very much kind of like well you know whatever works works you know I'll go, I'll go and yeah. have a break you know <laughs> yeah maybe it's just about some sort of personal charming but with you kind of like. Look at doing a more sort of proggy midsection or something like that, and you could just see sort of Jay's our old singer, his sort of eyes roll a little bit. Like, ah, shit, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fair enough. That, but, yeah, for, for a minimum before, but yeah, been quite nice. But I mean, there's not not too much of stuff. It's still like uh, some of the shorter songs we've done on there. Um, sort of plenty of three minute, four minute thrashes on there too. So yeah, yeah, and it's but it's been and it's been. It's been kind of like I said, an eventful couple of years because you've really. I mean, we toured with you what twenty seventeen, 
um, yeah. the actually twice in 2017 in April yeah, and, and December. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did this. I was trying to piece this together in my head yesterday actually because the last so since 2016 it's been a bit of a blur. Really. <laughs> trying to remember everything, but yeah, there's there's a tour we did with you guys a couple times, and then we did we did the Bloodstock show I think 2017 as well, didn't we? Or something. I think it was 2017. But yeah, I mean they were sort of highlights, and then been kind of sort of few and far between really since then um, until we started doing this new album and when did you when did you start working on it or has it kind of just been in in progress all along for a few years actually so um when we were doing the uh second album um so obviously we've got a uh, chris williams back our original drummer um me and him had sort of hooked up um sort of reconnected and we're just sort of jamming some stuff on the side uh, we were going to do an album on our own um just having a bit of a laugh. We we got like a full a full album's worth of stuff together. Uh, but then when Johnny had to leave, um, Chris obviously stepped straight back in, and me and him had already been writing stuff for about a year, um, so maybe even three years. And then some of those original ideas still still there, really. Um, but we got stuck straight in, even when we were doing the last EP uh, at the end of 2018, early last year. We were still sort of writing writing this stuff. So yeah, it's been quite a quite a long time coming, which I guess is probably why the album's so damn long as well <laughs> just so much stuff to stick on there we didn't really want to scrap anything so yeah it's nearly an hour isn't it yeah like 55 56 i think so. yeah and, and and so as regards the ep was that how did you find that because i know i know you know you, you've got some people say all oh, the album's dead um yeah no, we're just doing eps and singles now and things like that and then there's other people who are like no you've got to, you've got to put an album out you know there's certain festivals etc etc that won't you know that want want a new album um or you know they won't put you on the bill have you have you found the reaction to the ep i mean i think that was great for sort of kicking us back into gear really um sort of sparking some life back into us because we've gotten chris back um and then we knew that the anniversary was coming up it's like basically 10 years we started in 2009 um and we're like, oh, it's a cool opportunity just to bang out, you know, our first EP is out of print, you can't get it anymore. It was it kind of sounded pretty shitty. Um, so we're like, uh, yeah, yeah, let's bang that out, because we knew that was going to be a little while before um, we had the organisation in, in sort of check to, to get on with the next album. So we're like, oh, we'll do a little stopgap, we'll have a bit of fun, we'll go out on a short tour just as an anniversary thing. Uh, but that was actually really useful and it really, you know, we pay a lot more attention to our sort of social media stuff and that these days, and that really helped us sort of kick everything back into gear um the warhead's always sort of gone down i mean we could have honestly gotten away with just doing a single to be honest um but yeah warhead especially was like really really helpful in getting getting us back out there really we got the the wolf tour from it yeah just sort of getting back on the horse really yeah and that um, and i mean i think we well we spoke we actually spoke last time last time we spoke was when you were on the wolf tour um yeah. I mean, how beneficial was that, or was it more kind of a kind of galvanising the lineup? Because it was Aaron was kind of filling in on that one, wasn't he? Yeah. So we just lost um, Kai, our, uh, our bass player, um, so he'd stepped in. No, sorry, that's not right, is it? Um, Chris was in Austria still, wasn't he? Yeah. So he was filling in for Chris. Yeah, it was just like um, sort of been known Aaron from way back, um, and so he he'd sort of shown an interest in potentially joining at some point. Um, so if Chris had to leave or something like that, um, but yeah, that was just that was just a decent way of like we'd had a few crappy years, and it was just going out, having some fun, getting back to doing what we enjoyed doing, 
uh, and getting our heads in the game for the next album, really. Um, then, unfortunately, sort of Jay left after that. But um, for the rest of us, it was kind of really sparked things. Just gave everything a spark again. Like Wolf was super fun. Um, Primatai, we always have fun with. So it's just, yeah, just, just getting back into band mentality, really, and, and putting us in a good place to crack on. Right, and and, and the thing is, it's it, there's there's nothing like a kind of doing some dates and touring to bring to bring a lineup together, um, or or in or in fact tear it apart. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. it's a double edged sword, isn't it, touring? Yeah, it is. I mean, um, yeah, we've done done some little runs before where you really you can't wait to get home because you can tell things are, you know, there's a. There's a sort of fly in your equipment kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that was, I mean, like, we left, Jay left on, like, really good terms and stuff like that. So, I mean, in all, it was a super positive experience because it really just, it really just solidified for us that we enjoy doing this thing. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was time to crack on and sort of uh, give it another, give it another blast, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's good because I I think, was was there a time where you felt that, you know, there might not be another Shrapnel album. Um, not really. It was just it was whether it would be you know whether we'd go to uh, turn into like a local band or something like that. You know, I mean whether that be. Uh, I mean, me and Chris were sort of meeting up and, and writing music. We knew we'd do something. Um, it's just like, would it be something where we maybe would change a band name, just just be local and just do the odd little thing. Um, but I think as we kind of start writing, we're like, no, this, this is pretty decent. We enjoy this. Let's 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 give it a big end, basically. Um, yeah, I mean, when um, when Jay left, we had a sort of moment. We're like, ah, oh, crap. You know, how do we possibly do this? And that's, that's where Aaron's been fundamental because he's just stepped in, given us all a bit of a kick up the ass, and he's been awesome. And uh, yeah, it's just sort of all guns blazing again, really. That's great. It sounds it sounds like there's a kind of uh, a new sort of a rebirth going on without wanting it to be too cheesy. Yeah, it's, been, it's the most fun since in the last 10 years, arguably. Um, just, ever, just having, there's, there's always been, like we've always had a lot of fun. Um, you know, we've been through a few members now, but it, it's always been fun. Like I don't want to just look back and say, oh, all the lines have been shitty. But um, it just feels like when we started, we were all on the same page. We all wanted the same thing. And it feels like a bit of a return to that now. Um, we all talk a lot. We all sort of hang out with having a laugh, drinking beers and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's much more camaraderie to things anymore. Um, to these days, uh, yeah, I think th- there's always been a case that there's always been a bit of a misfit, maybe, or someone's kind of wanting to do something different to everybody else. But this time, it's just nice. We're all on the same page. We're all enjoying it. So yeah, it's good. And and um, to be fair, I mean, you're not you're not having a pop at anyone in particular, there, are you? Because ultimately, no, sorry, yeah, that's not the same like a. I mean, it's not for the for the vast majority. Everyone we've been in the band with, it's been it's been fucking killer. Um, it's just it, you know, in a, I mean, you must know uh, over the years, it's, it's hard to get a lineup of sort of you know four or five people on the same page all the time for an extended period of time. Is it's quite hard, isn't it? When you're all busy and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um, to be able to sort of rein that all in and not have someone sort of stray away and stuff like that. But it's been sort of difficult to keep that going. Um, and it's nice we seem to finally sort of land at that that kind of sort of group mentality again, which is, which is really really nice. Yeah, and and the thing is, and I, I, I do know, I know exactly exactly what you mean. Um, 
and it's kind of well it's 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 just life in general isn't it you know everybody's everybody's priorities shift so i mean uh, i mean when when i very let's go back ancient history when i very very when i first started with acid rain and we did the first ever tour we did our first ever tour and we ended up minus two members by the end of it um <laughs> and and the thing is that i mean you know it was basically gaz and i were the kind of I, the founders i mean i was in the band before he was i got i got him in and gaz and i were the founders we used to like you know, nick off school together and fucking write songs instead of going to the class and just talk about how, you know, what it would be like to be in a band and go on tour and stuff like that and how amazing yeah. it would be. And then yeah. we finally do it, one tour, and uh, and, and he, he decides to call it a day and you just like, fucking hell, what happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, with Block members, even when things have been going really, really well, it's just, you know, circumstances come up and it's like, oh, guys, it's, I, I can't do this thing that, that we all want to do at the minute. Um especially when you haven't got, I guess, the money incentive as well. It's like, it's difficult to keep all those sort of, those the stars aligned as such, isn't it? Um, I mean, fingers crossed we won't lose anyone anytime soon. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like mentality-wise, and like just having fun, it's just, it's just clicking really well right now. I think you can see it in the live shows as well, just sort of laughing and spending a good time again, really. So that's that, that, that's great that's great i mean uh you know you've got to be um well you've got to be you've got to be enjoying it i've always said there's no, there's no point in doing it if you don't enjoy it um yeah, exactly. and and yeah i suppose that goes for anything really um so how, how do you guys how do you guys get together then because obviously you're you're based in oxford is everybody else down in norwich yeah it's pretty great because chris has um chris has been away for like two or three years uh, yeah. teaching yeah, in austria so um he's back now um, sort of full time over here, which is which is awesome. And those guys are all back in Norwich. Um, and then I just travel back as and when I can, which is I don't do a lot of work here, so it's quite often. <laughs> so, so how 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 awesome um, is uh, it, it does um, uh, Chris feel about not being in in Austria and being in Norwich instead? Uh, mixed emotions, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he was living in uh, he was living in Lynn. Uh, it was, I think like an hour and a half away from uh, Vienna, and it, the place was awesome. To be fair, like he's, I think he's an idiot, but yeah, he came back as you know he wanted to do another album. He wants to go tour and have a bit of fun. So yeah, he's we're chuffed he's back basically. <laughs> well, yeah, because I was thinking that the 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 last show we did with you in um, uh, ended last year um, in London. Um, yeah, I th- I, that was the first time we'd played. Um, or it's like that's the first time I'd I'd seen him since I think we 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 played with you guys in 2017. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean that after a while that kind of gets you sort of think about the different shows we've done and you kind of try and remember the the lineup you had or who was filling in at that time and you, you get kind of tired of that I think. Um, and that, that's one of the things about having us all all four sort of on the same page is that you know that the next gig's coming up and whatever's happening like early next year or whatever, we're all going to be there kind of thing. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Right? So um, how do you, f- I know you say you've done nothing since September, which I'm sure is bollocks, but um, uh, how, do you, how do you balance being stuck, at, you know, uh, up in Oxford and, and you know, a full-time student with quite a, a, a weighty course and then there's all the band stuff going on and and, and everything else. Does, you know, do the, do the two ever clash? Are you ever having to say, well, look, you know, I've got to prioritise, I've got to prioritise, you know, my education over over the band or, you know, has it, has it or, or are you pretty much free reign? Uh, 
pretty much free reign. I mean, I, I finished my master's last year, and that that became a bit of an issue at times because there was a. I mean, it's so free here. You're so kind of free to just go off, and there's no schedules. Hang on, weren't you weren't you doing some reading at the gig in September that we played? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I thought so. It's the least the least rock and roll thing I think I've ever seen. Go your go to your dressing room, and it's like you know people are having a, a a a couple of drinks, chatting, whatever. And then there's there's you like glasses on, head in head in textbook. Yeah, they um yeah, I get ripped a lot for that. I'm pretty sure I was still drunk there. <laughs> uh, well, no, I don't think so. I think we hid the beer from you that night on purpose. Oh man, that's why I was reading. Yeah. Oh, it's our fault then, is it? Exactly. Killing my, killing my son. So, uh, um, it's, it's been easy, to be honest, because there's, you can shift things around. Like if I need to, you know, we're heading to Sweden this weekend for four or five days. Um, so just shift things about a bit, basically. I'll um, do some work late next week. <laughs> oh, yeah, you've got you've got a festival with, it with Onslaught this weekend. Yeah, Onslaught at Carcass. It's, it's going to be awesome. It's our first time uh, in Europe as well. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, never done it before. So we're yeah, we cannot wait. Oh, you uh, well, yeah, you're in for a you're in for a right old good time. Sweden's fucking brilliant. Um, yeah. It really is. The first time, I, and, and I've just thrown this in there. First time I ever saw, I ever went to Sweden was uh, September the twelfth, two thousand and one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no way. That oh, was man. that was quite that was quite a delayed flight. There was extra yeah, security yeah. that day. Okay, now. But anyway, uh, no, you're gonna have you're gonna have a brilliant time, and and it's nice to see you getting out in Europe. Is this is this the so is this the beginning of of kind of like you know a, a shrapnel mark whatever ten? <laughs> uh, you know, you, uh, are you looking to get out? And because obviously it's it's the um, it's, it's and the album's coming out on on um, candlelight again as well. So there's obviously yeah, you know well. they're much back in there. Yeah, they've been really, really, really good, actually. So, I mean, one of the problems, it wasn't just us um, doing the last album. It's like, it was the fact, you know, they were moving offices and stuff like that. And our main guy there was just, you know, we, we understand we're bottom of the pile and stuff like that. You know, we're a small band. But, yeah, it was just a nightmare on their end for organisation as well because they were moving to London. Um, but this time, it's been absolutely brilliant. Um, they got, I think, a new a new guy who started there. Uh, it's like almost constant contact. Um, you know all the social media stuff has been brilliant. All the uh, the artwork and all the organisation for actually getting the physical release sorted has been brilliant. So yeah, it's been awesome um, this time around. Basically, so it's just um, so we're kind of hoping this House of Metal festival will be sort of the first of us really really getting into Europe a bit, which we're all desperate to do this year. And and um, was that was that previously was it Darren you were dealing with? Yeah, yeah, so Darren's still there. Um, oh, right, cool. All, yeah, they all settled at their new office and stuff, so it's been, it's been really, really good. Um, it's super helpful, and they seem to like the album. Um, they love the artwork and stuff like that, so it's, yeah, it's, it's just been awesome. Ah, speaking of which, who did that? And, and uh, it's great to hear that. I'm pleased for you. So, um, who's, um, yeah, who put the artwork together? Whose idea was it? I'm probably going to mispronounce his name. So, Costin Chiriano? Chiriano? So, he's done a... Like Arch Enemy, he did a bit for Ghost. Um, he's done all the new Entombed AD stuff. Um, he's done, I think he's just recently done a, a music video for Opeth. But he's got this really sort of awesome, sort of almost cartoony, comic booky 
sort of edge to his stuff. Um, yeah, and he, he loved the concept of the album, so he's really excited to be doing it. And he, he, yeah, he put in a shift on it, basically. Um, I think it's probably our best the best front cover. So that's what, yeah, and and the thing is, I think it, it's it it really makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely, especially when it fits perfectly with the theme. I think. I mean, you know, considering we've been really trying to rebuild um, over the last year, we knew we need something. You know, we're a small band. You know, you need to sort of cut through the noise, don't you? So having that sort of striking front cover is just yeah, you nailed it basically. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I mean, especially when you can, especially when it, you know, you've got some enthusiasm there as well. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, he was, <laughs> he was surprisingly like chuffed about the concept. It's kind of a, a lot of mental health kind of thing. I think he was, he was talking about having some experience with that at the time uh, when he started. So he was like really, really buzzed about the concept of it. Um, yeah, and he sort of threw the kitchen sink at it, really. Yeah. Well, I, 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 whose whose concept was it as well? Um, I can't remember who came up with the title. Uh, I think it was one of Chris's, um, guitarist Chris's um, titles for the song he was working on. Um, but we just had this image of like you could, you know, it's kind of kind of just we've got uh, the title track on there is an Alistair Crowley kind of song. Um, but it's kind of this double meaning. You can read it it's like a a kind of story about this guy, or you can read it in another context of just mental health in general. But it's like to be inside your head as as you sort of suffering from some of these issues um yeah we did develop that and we, we just had this idea of like a just the inside of someone's head being being like a palace like a, a cathedral or something like that and sort of just developed from there and could cost and absolutely loved that idea and just ran with it basically right okay so um it, it's basically um his idea um i mean he did was he was he like deep involved in the lyrics as well no, the lyrics were all sort of fully formed. Um, and we just had these like really, really basic ideas, this sort of cathedral idea, um, from just being inside someone's head. Uh, and he just took that that small bit and just he actually just took the title, um, yeah, and just came up with that. So pretty amazing, really. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 always a funny one, lyrics, isn't it? Because sometimes, I mean, he's, has he been responsible for most of them this time round? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Chris Martin, yes, um, our guitarist, uh, in the past has done, I'd say, sort of the vast majority of our lyrics. And this, another great thing about having Aaron in is that he's just he's constantly chucking out ideas for lyrics. So it's been more 50-50 this time. Um, sometimes I'll come up with a few concepts and stuff like that and chuck them to Chris. But yeah, for the most part, those two have just, just smashed them out. Um, Aaron's like an incredibly good uh, lyric writer, so we're quite lucky. There's a pretty decent team between them. That's brilliant because it, it, it's it, that can be a real pain in the ass if you've got if you if you're struggling lyric wise, because yeah, I, I mean, sort of, you know, Chris goes to as you do sort of when you're writing a few dry periods and stuff, and and Aaron's just there to sort of pick up the slack and just bangs out these sort of brilliant songs. Um, some that we've kind of struggled with in the past because Chris would shoulder most of the stuff. I mean, Jay Jay when he when he wanted to, he could bang out an absolute killer lyric and stuff. Um, I think mostly it was Chris taking most of the weight for that. Um, but yeah, it's much more equal now. And it's kind of fun because they collaborate as well, which is awesome. That's Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, obviously Jay is... Are you, are you kind of staying in touch at all? Is he? Have you bunged him a copy of the album or anything? 
Yeah, he's on it actually. So uh, does a few uh, back and vocals. I mean, he like arranged all the album booklet and photos for us and stuff like that. So um, very much still friends. It's just a, uh, you know, he's a business owner and stuff, so he's busy. <laughs> there was it was hard enough trying to find time uh, with Jay when he was in the band. So yeah, I, I haven't seen him as much as I'd, I'd love to. Um, but yeah, still very much very good friends. Um, but he came down when we were tracking in Norwich and. There's a, I don't know if you can hear it. Um, there's a bunch of different lyrics that he does on there, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's brilliant! I, right, I'll, I'll 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 listen out for that because I haven't um, I haven't heard any of that. So um, and it's it's cool when you can you know stay in touch with um, ex members and you know just all all still get on. Do you think he'll um, he'll, he'll make the occasional guest appearance here and there? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, that's on him basically. If he asks, then definitely. I imagine if we're playing in Norwich, he'll he'll be well up for it. Um, imagine if he's in the same place, then yeah, probably do something like that. Yeah. And is is he doing anything 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 creative or anything or or, or you know or is yeah, it... I'm not sure if he's he's told anyone yet. He's been doing, putting together um, this black metal uh, project for a good few years now. Actually, I mean, every now and then he'll send me some of it. Um, it's an awesome thing he's just doing on his own. Basically, so he's basically taught himself guitar, taught himself how to record. Um, he's got a really killer little release on the way. Um, not sure when he's going to do it, but <laughs> yeah. wow, that's that's insane. Yeah, he's, he's you know he's he's, he's got no interest in giving up music and things like that. It's just you know he's he's just super busy. He's got his home life, um, his business that he runs. Um, but yeah, sort of on the side, he's uh, he's slowly putting together this album, which sounds like it's going to be awesome. To be fair, so that's brilliant. That's brilliant, and I, I can't. I, I was just suddenly hit talking about Jay. I've just suddenly realised the obviously the amount of lineup changes you've had. Well, like, like basically, you know, you've you've lost a bass player, you've lost a drummer, and you've lost a vocalist it's since yeah. the last album came. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I'm, it's like it's it's literally just dawned on me now because it's like, oh yeah, shit. That's like that's a lot <laughs> of bands. That's a lot of members. Yeah, man, it's like a bit Megadeth, isn't it? So we were, um, <laughs> we were really on the EP. We were like, oh, dude, I think we might actually have two recordings in a row with the same lineup. And then, then Kai left. And we were like, ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, each each album's got a different lineup. I guess when you think about it, um, so this time, man, the, the third and fourth album are going to be the same lineup. <laughs> but that again, I think I think that's more to do with you know uh, finance lives outside the band and everything else rather rather than sort of you know inverted commas musical differences and shit like that yeah i mean mostly it's been because of work stuff remember um you know johnny johnny disappeared straight after the second album to go work in the states for a little while and then he came back and he, he he moved for a while i think um for work so yeah so that didn't work out but yeah that's mostly been the thing so kai last bass player started at uni um started his undergrad so he was like yeah, I need to focus on that. So, <laughs> those kind of things. Uh, well, speaking of speaking of which, how do you, how do you end up, um, you know, at Oxford University taking um, international relations? I uh, quit my job and did my undergrad as a mature student, and then didn't really know what to do with it. So I just sort of applied to a bunch of places, got in here, and then will probably stay for a while. <laughs> Until I figure out what the hell I'm going to do. So, so what? What was what was the job? I was working in a factory. It was just um, just a sort of set an engineer, 
kind of like a not quite a mechanical engineer kind of thing in this big plastic factory back in Norwich and uh, just doing that and then playing shows with the band and stuff and then uh, just realised I didn't kind of want to be there. <laughs> so I've been there for about seven or eight years and I was like, right, come on, you, you know, you're getting comfortable here. You don't really want to do this. So, yeah, went and did my undergrad and then sort of stayed in education since then really so you've gone for so you've gone from working in a factory to um oxford university yeah a bit of a bit of a culture shock when i came here so. <laughs> and and what's the and so what do you what do you envisage doing with you know um uh, a, a diploma in international relations you're going to go and work for go, go and work for, for for donald trump or um uh, or someone else nah man <laughs> I don't, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll probably stay here for a while, maybe try and get um, sort of postdoc, um, postdoctoral work somewhere. Um, I don't know. I mean, ideally, I'd like to return to, to Norwich and maybe work at the UEA there, um, maybe become a lecturer, but I'm, I'm not sure. I really don't know. There's so many options that you can do with it, really. Um, I don't know. But, it, but so, so what you're doing is basically you're just going to kind of – Keep keep doing what you're doing at the moment, and then maybe go to another call and, until either something comes up or you 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 find a path to go down, which which means that you can use the the the, the information that you've you've learned over the years and and the skills that you've picked up um, until you can find that thing that you want to do. Yeah, I mean, there's like civil service work, maybe something like that. But I mean, yeah, sort of teaching teaching at sort of undergrad level would be would be pretty nice. Maybe <laughs> I'm just. I mean, just I'm going to be here for like maybe three years, I think, something like that. So yeah, sort of just see what happens, really. So you say mature student. So how old are you now then? I'm thirty-four. Right. Okay. Fucking hell. Right. So yeah. a, a, mere, a mere youngster compared to me. <laughs> but I think yeah, that, so I, I, but, I was about 28, 28, 29. Uh, I went to went back to uni. So. But I think that's, I mean, you know, I think that's really brave you, and I think that's really interesting. The fact that you you went, that you you kind of just went. Do you know what? I'm not doing this. What I mean was it the factory stuff? Were you? We was it that you weren't particularly happy? Did you feel like you were just stagnating? Were you depressed? What was what What was it doing to you? Well, you know, there were people there who were sort of forty to fifties. You know, it was a, you know, a fairly comfortable wage. You know, you could go get a mortgage and just just keep doing what I was doing. You know, shift work and stuff. So. Like constantly knackered. I mean, it was great for the band stuff because um, they were really cool with me doing like, tour, like touring and having time off for albums and stuff. But it, yeah, it was like the, the sort of coasting factor. And I was like, I don't know, man, do I want to be here for another twenty years? Or you know, I was reading a lot of lot of books at the time. I wasn't working particularly hard. I was mostly doing that. So I was like, look, I'm interested in this like this history stuff, this politics stuff. So yeah, let's go go see what that's all about, basically. Um, yeah, it's sort of been building up for maybe two or three years. Um, just this awareness of like, do I really want to stay here for a career, or do I want to take something else? So yeah, just just did it. Was there was there a was there any kind of particular catalyst that that you know that made you go right? I'm, I know, you know, I'm going to do this. Um, no, not really. I mean, like in my early twenties, I was like, I, I should definitely go to uni at some point. I should definitely do that because I, I knew that I would probably be capable of doing it. Um, I had a sense that I could probably do it and you know with the band stuff we were just having so much fun with it and we, we were really trying to do something with it so like just year by year it got sort of later and later and then it was just like this 
I got to like my late twenties. I was like, uh, there's kind of sort of pressure in the back of my mind. It's just like, yeah, you, I don't really want to be dropping out of this in my thirties. So I was like, right, do it, do it now. Um, yeah. And then very shortly after that decision was made, we found out we were going to have our first kid. So I was like, oh shit. <laughs> and then he, yeah. And then he sank it straight away, like the day after basically. And then um, we're like, no, let's do this. You want to do it. So yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, that's incredible support from, from from your other half as well yeah she's pretty tired of listening to me whinge as well so <laughs> yeah i mean shift work shift work can be i don't know if anyone listens to shift work it can be it can be difficult oh, like family, but, you know you knack it all the time and if you're not particularly enjoying your, enjoying your job then yeah it can make sort of life a little bit a little bit depressing kind of thing sometimes but but at the same time i, I did quite enjoy it and stuff. But yeah, I just had this feeling that I wanted to do something that's built up over time and yeah, just suddenly just did it really. Well, good for you. And I think, um, as, as you said, have you, so have you moved, you've, obviously you've moved the whole family to Oxford. Yeah, I was here on my own uh, for the last year at my MPhil, but this year, yeah, we're in one of the colleges here. Um, so my whole family here for the next couple of years, which is, which is awesome. So, so what you're staying, are you, are you staying in like halls or are you renting a place? Um, yeah, we're sort of in, I guess you'd call it halls. It's like, uh, like family accommodation here. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm well, yeah, it's, it's, it's Oxford, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not just, yeah. You know, it's not just like a, yeah, go and get a B and B. Um, <laughs> it's just nice having the stability, isn't it? You're like we know where we are for the next few years. Um, I know it's three hours to get to the band stuff and it's just, it's just comfortable and it's just weird. It's just in a nice place basically at the minute. Yeah. And and financially, are you able to are you able to kind of get by okay, or you know you having to take jobs on or uh, horrendous? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah, that that part sucks, and all the guys are getting like fed up for me basically. So I used to contribute quite a bit, and now I'm I'm like the the skeezy student in the band. So like yeah, <laughs> that side of it isn't so great, but. There, yeah, 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 there is a, there is always a price to pay, and in this case, <laughs> the, 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 it's it's any price whatsoever of anything. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, I'm getting a bit fed up with that side of things, so I can't wait to to get back to normality, really. Um, but yeah, well, but, uh, yeah, but the, by the same token, you know, you're there for another three years. You're not going to be <laughs> you're not going to be reaching normality anytime soon. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you can pick up little like research jobs and stuff like that. There's like always work to do. It's always like an academic here who needs a bit of help or something like that. So yeah, it's not. It's not. Yeah. But it's 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 kind of weird. So you're a mature you're a mature student um, with uh, you know with, with with a wife and 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 baby at yeah at university. That's got to, You've got to be a bit of a rarity there, surely. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You can, I mean, you can imagine what it's like sometimes here. Um, can't keep it separate, I guess. And just chuck yeah. it, just chuck in the fact that you're also the guitarist in a thrash metal band. I bet you're just like, yeah, you're just the average student, aren't you, in Oxford? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit different. But... <laughs> yeah, ever so slightly. Um, so what we and and when you were let's let's fucking dodging about all over the place here, but why not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you were when you were writing the album, was um, was there, you know were 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 there any you know particular bits of like inspiration or anything like that or you know what is but what i'm getting at is anything that you've heard over the last sort of few years since the last album you know that that you've thought right you know wow they are like that or or is it just you know just good old-fashioned coming up with riffs and 
slamming them together. Yes, I mean, like the the wrist stuff. So, I mean, one of the massive benefits of having um, Chris back on drums is like me and him just click like perfectly, basically. Um, so me and him would just go into the rehearsal room for a few hours and a lot of the songs were banged together. Um, you know, you, you're, you're spaced out in the times that we could rehearse. So it's like, you know, sometimes going a month before we'd actually have a jam and stuff. But when we actually got together, it just, you know, most of the stuff was improv. Um, so loads of the songs uh, were just done in the rehearsal space, basically, and then me tinkering around at home. But, um, yeah, and it, like in terms of lyrics, I, I always figured, you know, the whole Donald Trump populism thing, I, I figured we were all sort of a bit of a political one at first. You know, pretty pissed off about all that stuff, but it turned out to be the complete opposite of that. It's just uh, Chris has just been really just kind of having fun with it and just just writing stuff about sci-fi or, or whatever, really. Um, so there's been no sort of grand theme. It's just been fun, basically. Yeah. Um, writing the music was super fun. You know, the second album is sort of me in my bedroom doing it on my own. It's just boring. Um, but this one's massive group effort, and then just having fun at rehearsals and then going to the pub and then lyrics just about kind of fun stuff really so you can just I think you can just tell we're in sort of a better place in terms of just just enjoying it basically um but yet there's no sort of grand concept there's no sort of you know we're just banging out tunes and having a laugh basically um and that's what we've ended up with that's uh, well and and you know that's kind of like the that's what we're all shooting for really um, yeah right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and um, funnily enough, I'm, um, I'm I'm chatting later today to uh, to a certain Mr. Russ Russell, um, oh. who of course did previous albums for you, but um, you, you went you went a different route this time. Yeah, so um, Aaron uh, was previously in a band called uh, Safamel, kind of a blackened sort of death metal band, really really awesome. They they put out this new album, um, Horror Vacui, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. Um, but you know it sounded incredible um, and he kept stressing to us like you know we can cut we were going to go with Scott Atkins who did the, the EP we were just like we just have no money you know we just uh, you know, when you start thinking about merch you have to buy and all that kind of shit we was like we need to do this maybe ourselves basically um, yeah and, and Aaron brought up uh, Sam Turbot's name because it had such a good laughter in um, the, the Safamel album with him Um so yeah, we started listening to his stuff. We're like, yeah, let's, let's go for it, and uh, yeah, just jumped straight in with him, and he was absolutely brilliant. Basically, um, we kind of split our time between going up to Darlington and to do the drums, uh, a place called Ritual Sound Studios, um, and then yeah, he'd travel back to Norwich and do some guitars with us and stuff like that. And yeah, he just sort of got it. He was a laugh, um, likes his beer as well. So <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just a just a fun process like all the way through, basically. And was 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 he more of a um, was he more of a uh, an engineer than producer? You know, were there were there any kind of like you know sort of song structure ideas or anything like that, or did you go in very much going right? These are the songs. Let's let's bang these down. Yeah, I mean, pretty much uh, mostly engineering. I mean, it's uh, one of the cool things about him. He, he wasn't afraid to sort of speak his mind on on sort of structures and stuff like that. So there's def- there was definitely some input from him, but largely they were kind of formed. Um, yeah, and he'd maybe make the odd suggestion and stuff if he felt something was uncomfortable or, you know, lingering on for too long and stuff like that. But, but yeah, most, mostly engineering. Then he did the mix and master as well. And were you all, were you all there um, for, for each part or was it just literally kind of like, you know, you were, you, were going, you were going in like, you know, maybe two or three of you and then, you know, another one goes in and here's what everyone else has done and, and stuff like that? Um, 
a bit of both. So me and Chris went up to do the drums together. Um, so we were down there for, for up there, even in Darlington for a week, just me and him, um, just getting that done. We did a few guitars, but then for the most part, um, we had a cabin, this cabin thing back in Norwich. Like uh, Chris's old man, his back garden's got this, just this awesome little cabin thing. So he was awesome and let, let us basically stay in there for a couple of months. Um, so we basically set up this sort of makeshift really punk studio in there um, and we were all there pretty much like every night we were recording um, yeah it's one of the things about the band as well like we kind of enjoy hanging out so you know Aaron and Chris were coming down when we were doing guitars and sort of yeah we were all there for the bass guitars and stuff like that just having a laugh and sort of chucking ideas about and stuff so yeah it's been pretty cool that's brilliant did you have um oh God, i keep, keep keep saying that i don't know why oh that's brilliant <laughs> but I'm, I'm pleased for you mate because like, like i said i've only played it once but straight off the bat i was like right okay i've got to give this a few more listens and but and that's a good thing you know it's not like um <laughs> no but it was like i said the one thing i sort of picked up on there were, there were little bits and pieces in there that i'm that like i said i'm i'm not used to hearing from shrapnel yeah, it's like a bit, a few more melodic bits. It's a bit more. I mean, um, one of the good things about Aaron is that he can. He's a pretty decent singer, to be fair. So we were a bit nervy about putting singing in there. You know, you get so many bands who end up just having the fallback as sort of wimpy chorus. It's kind of thing. We're like, we definitely don't want to go that route. But yeah. he's he's good. He's talented. He can do it. So as a resource, we we were like, yeah, let's 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 have a go at it. And uh, yeah, he's, he's done some really catchy choruses and stuff. And well, it absolutely fits. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it stood out to me. The first, the, I can't remember which track it was. The first, where, like, you know, there's the first bit of kind of like, man, I was like, oh, oh, that's that's different. I, I think I even sort of re, even rewound it. I was like, right, let's have a listen to that again. And it's like, it, yeah, it totally fits. It's just, it, it's just, yes, not not something I'm used to hearing with, uh, yeah, with, yeah, with we, you guys. Yeah, we want to keep up the aggression and stuff like that, but. Um... Yeah, we just want to see what we could do. I mean, we're, we're a little bit nervous about it, so we put the first single out um, last Friday. You know, it's got it's got a bit of singing in the chorus and stuff, so we're a little bit nervous about people's reactions. But I think, sort of, for the most part, people are pretty chuffed. So, well, also the, the thing is, is it's like it's not like you've gone fucking. It's not like Dylan goes electric, is it? I mean, you know, no, it's, not. It's, not, it, it's, it's not like you've suddenly turned into like you know a metalcore band and and, yeah, you've, and you've got you know you've got a massive five part harmony chorus. I mean, it's just it's it's, it's a tiny little bit of melody. That's all. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly. Yeah, it's not too much, is it? But I mean, we were having Chris back in the band playing drums. I mean, basically, he only listens to to Judas Priest. <laughs> and that, that really infected me so that every jam we were having we were just listening to just listening to Priest like permanently so, and oh, we thought oh shit man this, this is awesome we need to we need to put a bit of this in and that, that, I mean that's not the kind of singing it is right but it's just like that no let's go, go on let's put some cheeky melody in there so <laughs> yeah the thing is and, and the thing is, is I think sometimes you can get a bit you can get a bit um you can get a bit anal about it, and like, like you say, you know, you're a little bit nervous about putting the single out, and it's like, because, you, because to all of you, it's like it, it, it's a really, you know, it's a really big deal, it's a massive deal, and and like I picked up on it, but there's, you know, a lot of people who are who who like shrapnel, it'll just it'll just like sail by. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's no biggie, but, but yeah, that's that's the hope, that's the hope, definitely. But it's a pretty big deal, isn't it? When you sort of change the singers, it could uh, yeah, it could be a yeah, a pretty bad thing, but um. Yeah, he's, Aaron just did a, such a good job. To be fair to him, so 
Also, ultimately, it still sounds like shrapnel. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the thing. There's definitely a few more elements. Um, we pulled in a few more sort of heavy metal elements, a little bit of clean guitar on there and stuff. But yeah, for the most part, it sounds like us. Yeah, but also, I mean, you are, you know, as as with all bands, you're maturing, you know, you're ageing, and, and, and as you get older... It's like it's it's not about just having your fucking head down for, you know, five minutes in every song. You you start wanting to expand and 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 try different things. This is uh, Chris coming back from uh from from Austria. Started playing again a bit more regularly, and we we realised that we're yeah we're in our thirties, man. <laughs> you play five songs like relentless brash. It's like ah oh, shit, I need to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> there, there might be that element in it as well, it's like. <laughs> with lazy bastards as well, so I just bring the BPM down a bit. <laughs> but I think it's it, but it, it definitely happens though, doesn't it? Because it's like ultimately, you know, it, there's no point keep going down the same road because you've done that. You know, you've done you that, you've, and you've and you've proved that. So you yeah. want you want to try and you know you want to try and kind of you know stretch stretch your horizons and and challenge yourself i know i mean i know this sounds all really cheesy and you know people listening might be like oh god no you know not all that you know challenging yourself and all that again but we all do yeah. it and we all do it in our everyday lives i mean you know what funnily enough we've spent a long time talking about you know what how your life how your life has changed outside the band yeah yeah definitely you know and that and that again that that but that applies to the band as well it's like no you know you you've got to you've got to keep moving because otherwise the word you used earlier was stagnate you know yeah there's, there's some bands you know you, you just you appreciate when they just bash out the same the same kind of thing yeah you don't want Slayer to do a prog album right um but then there's some bands that we love you, know, you think of someone like Megadeth or whatever the shifts they've been through um and we kind of, we kind of always figured like you know the 90s stuff a lot of these bands did like ah fuck that stuff like nah man but then you actually over time you realise that actually sort of banging out a three and a half minute four minute thrash song kind of becomes it's, it's not boring but the process of doing it becomes like you know what you're doing then you sort of bash and riff together you you have a similar sort of a similar sort of process to doing that kind of stuff and then we realise that it's actually it's actually a lot more difficult maybe to do something that's a bit simpler and a bit catchier that actually becomes like I say it's a bit, it's a bit cliche isn't it? a challenge but it does it's actually it's difficult to make something to make something catchy and listenable um so there's definitely yeah that aspect to it I think yeah well basically you're saying you know what you what you're talking about is is like sort of yeah going like you say yeah writing a thrash song five minutes heads down you know and and all the technical aspects that yes that is that is difficult but once but once you've kind of inverted commas mastered that once you're used to that it's it's like you say it's about right actually it's not about adding more it's about taking stuff out yeah yeah the thing is so like uh on your guys album like uh within the woods um that must have been a process right making that song it's like a long complex sort of moving song um loads of moving parts going on yeah yeah a lack of challenge compared to I don't know, like the new low, for example, where you know you guys know how to thrash. So well, <laughs> you you, know, the, the... yeah, you just you, you you just you just bang it out. You just bang it out. But whereas, like yeah. you say, you know, when you when you're writing a longer song, um, and there's, I mean, there's, you know, yeah, there's 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 sections that have that sometimes. Do you know what? Do you know what it's like when you've got a section and you really you really like it, but it doesn't feel right. Yeah, 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 definitely. 
and and that I think oh, I always think that is the challenge because it's like you know you you can you can look at it sort of analytically and go no 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 this is fine this is right. but if it doesn't feel right then then it's not right yeah definitely yeah but we still there's still a bunch of thrashes on there we've still got you know I think our shortest song on there like a, just under three minutes and it's just thrash <laughs> you know and we still really enjoy doing that oh um, yeah just, you know just kind of mixing it up a little bit really. Oh yeah, it's 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 yeah. Don't don't want to like lead anyone astray. It's still fucking total yeah, yeah. <laughs> heads down, having it without a doubt. In fact, what what would be really cool would be um, if I um, uh, play a song from the new album um, after uh, after the interview. If that's all right with you. Yeah, man. Awesome. Um, it's um, it's salt the earth. That's the new single, isn't it? Okay. Um, well, in which case, um, uh, let's yeah. I'll tell you what. Let's 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 stick that song in right here. Um, I've got some questions from Patreon subscribers for you, so don't go anywhere. But for now, thanks a lot, Nave. Nice one. Cheers, dude. Cheers, mate. And here's Shrapnel, Salt the Earth. Beyond!
So why don't you start pre-ordering Palace for the Insane right now? Um, really good to catch up with Nath. I haven't seen him for ages. Um, and... Um, yeah, you got a real insight there. I think into um, into the, the you know the changing fortunes of a band, how things can change, um, uh, what lineup changes, what you know the kind of impact that lineup changes have on on everything, you know, on your future plans, on how you write music, on all of it. Um, and uh, and my thanks to Nathan for coming on, and also my thanks to you for listening. Of course. Now, is there anything else I finally wanted to co- um, finally wanted to cover? Um, oh yeah, remember Dan Nelson used to sing in Anthrax. Yeah, um, got arrested for beating up atta- uh, for beating up two old uh, two older men. And I, think, well, I just, I just, to me, it was just like I just wonder if he like found two people who looked like Scott and Charlie and, and just beat them up to make himself feel better for not being in Anthrax anymore. Um, poor, poor fucker. Um, but I, do you know what? There's something else I wanted to do, and that was actually um, give somebody some credit who I'm not the biggest fan of. But I had this conversation with a friend of mine, and and I, and I found myself kind of coming around and saying, do you know what? That's you know that deserves um, recognition, and that recognition was um, for Devin Townsend because ultimately Devin. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm not the biggest fan in the world, as I think you're all aware. Um, but look at the volume of work. You know, look at the body of work. That is that is what um, is is the outstanding contribution. So whether you like it or not, whether you like his you know his work or not, I just think that it's such a huge body of work. The guy is so productive. In any in any art form, with just wanted to get a little bit, you know, a um, little bit arty for a minute. But no matter what the art form is, um, when you when you produce as much as he does, just the volume of work, the body of work, I think you have to put your hand up and say, Do you know what, that is impressive. You know, I might not like the guy, might not be my kind of thing, but clearly he is massively talented, and there is. You know, there is at least one one album of his that I that I like. You know, I think he is one of those entertainers where it's um, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like yeah, it's, some of it's for you, some of it's not for you, some of it's not for you. But I think every you know there is there's a, there's a Devin album out there for us all. Like there's an individual out there for us all, um, or maybe there isn't. So. Folks, um, coming up to nearly three hours. It's been it's it is a uh, quite a bulky, nay, huge bolo cast this month. This is the section where I thank you all for coming, thank you all for listening, and thank you all for sharing because that is what I need you to do. Share, sign up at uh, patreon.com forward slash Howard H Smith, um, uh, and just just tell everybody. And look, like I say, even if you know if you don't want to do that, I tell you what. By the way, look, here's an idea. Here is just an idea. Okay. You can sign up for one month at Patreon. There is over 200 posts. There's loads of stuff there. So you literally sign up for a month, download everything, and then, and then fuck off. It's, I mean, it's, you know, try it for a month. Um, have a look. For it. If you don't like it, you know, cancel. That's it. It's cost you, what, $6? I think that's, you know, certainly less than £5 in, uh, in real money. Um, but, yeah, just... Pop in, say hello, download what you like. And if you don't think it's any good, fuck off again. See if I care. <laughs> um, but seriously, it's it's there for you. Anyway, look, 
please share the podcast nay the bollocast thank you very much all for listening wherever you are whether you're in your car whether you're in your bin lorry whether you are in your canoe whether you are in your um ice house castle in on an island because you're an evil genius um whether you are in a tent on a hillside whether you are in a detached house semi-detached flat um starter home townhouse uh what else is there um whether you're in your igloo whether you are in your uh summer house whether you are in your truck whether you are asleep right now or you're trying to get to sleep you find the soothing tones of talking bollocks the way that you like to drift off to sleep i somehow doubt that you can't wake up Um, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I really, really do appreciate you all. Thank you very much. I genuinely do. Um, and I know I say this every month and I take the piss out of this part of the podcast every month, but you know, it's got to be done, doesn't it really? So without further ado, uh, got some really cool things planned for, um, uh, for coming up with, there is going to be another live podcast before the end of the year. Um, and that is going to be with the guys at different times podcast, I will do more information about that as and when. It's going to be in September. Um, I can't tell you exactly exact dates or anything like that because it's not announced yet because we haven't actually got the booking of the theatre yet, but it will be at the Etc. Theatre where the last live podcast was and where my um, Tales from the Book of Thrash was in London. So if you came to those, it will be back there again. Um, it will be in September. And um, more information on that as soon as we're able to, um, uh, as soon as I'm able to give you ticket links and everything on that. So there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, that is the end of the the Bollocast. Please go off and do whatever you need to do, and I'll catch you here again next month. See ya. Unless, of course, this cold that I've got turns out to be coronavirus, in which case um, I've really enjoyed this last ever Bollocast. And, um, yeah, think of me all. Um, or, well, all think of me. Um, don't send flowers. Just uh, just send donations to uh, to any charity you like. Um, and um, you know it's been great. I shouldn't really joke about coronavirus, should I? I don't know. It's, uh, it doesn't sound like the kind of thing that uh, is uh, is particularly funny, really. So um, here we go. This is the uh, not funny, bad taste end of the podcast coming up now. Just about to finish. Any second. It's finishing. So you can switch off now. Nothing after this. Um, Just a lot of silence. In fact, there might not even be a lot of silence. It will just be, you know, it'll just be, well, me finishing the podcast, as I am apt to do. Nothing left to do now. Oh, the sun's come out. That's nice, isn't it? Bloody horrible weather at the moment. Yeah. Cunt!